All right, we are live here on a special Friday night edition of uh, FOW Radio Live. I am Patrick, joining uh, with me, uh, Danny Danger and Eric and Mika Villa. Will she be here? Will she not be? I don't know. Stay tuned and find out. Let's listen. Fellas, how are you guys doing? Doing fine, doing fine. Uh, you know, another interesting week in wrestling, to say the least, I guess. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a long day, but hanging in there. Uh, a long day, a long week. Well, it was a short week for me at work, but it felt like a long week because uh, a whole lot more work in those four days than there was um, on the regular week. But nonetheless, the weekend is upon us. We are here. Somebody's moving some stuff. I don't know which one of you it is, but alas, uh, let's let's talk some wrestling. And well, um, let's kick it off with the uh, pay-per-view that just happened. Yeah, it's a, a pay-per-view. You pay for the view. Pay per view. Yes. Yeah. It's uh. Sorry. It's it's been a while since I've you know well had to like talk about pay per view. Even though I think that's all they do now, right? Pay per views. But nonetheless, all right. Uh. So here we are. Double or nothing. Uh. I I I did not watch the uh, pre show. Uh. And because I feared uh the worst. And indeed, the worst happened because uh, screw Chuck Taylor and um, and uh, Trent Beretta, best friends, um, won uh, the uh, the match to become number one contenders against Private Party. Uh, but the show kicked off with uh, the Casino Ladder match for a future AEW World Championship match, and of course, we knew that. Uh, Joey Janela was replacing. Um, who, was he replacing Phoenix? I feel like he was replacing somebody else, but I think he was Phoenix. Yeah, uh, that he was replacing uh, due to injury, uh, and but we still had a a surprise appearance, a surprise uh, entrant. And at first, we may have been fooled to think it might have been Taz, but no, Taz was accompanying. The uh, the final entrant, uh, who we learned to be uh, Brian Cage, who I did not realize was already done with uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, but yeah, Brian Cage surprise uh, addition, and he ended up defeating Darby Allen, who almost tried to kill himself. Cole Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Keep Saving, and Frankie Kazarian and Luchasaurus. Uh, to win a future title shot here. Brian Cage, your winner, your thoughts. I mean, we had all speculated and hoped about different people we thought it might be, um, you know, from Zack Ryder, I think was Eric's speculation, to mine being, you know, hoping that it would be Pineapple Pete, but uh, Pete was at ringside, um, Zack Ryder nowhere to be seen. Um, Brian Cage making a very, very impressive debut and puts himself right into the title mix with one win. 
and the new manager in uh, in Taz. Um, manager, advisor, I would assume as well. Um, but Brian Cage, yeah, like you, I didn't know that, that he was done with Impact. Um, I thought he still had some contractual obligations to them, but I guess maybe that's why they kept it a secret and didn't advertise him um, to kind of surprise, you know, not a lot of surprises left in the wrestling world this day and age. So to have him as a surprise was a certainly a surprise. Um, but I mean, he came in there tossing ladders, tossing bodies, um, you know, doing the crazy things that, that really I feel that only Brian Cage can do. Um, there's not a whole lot of other people that can do the exact combination of things that he can. Um, but he quickly puts himself in a top tier position, uh, in AEW with, with his pay-per-view debut. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty interesting way to debut cage. Um, I'm actually kind of shocked he won, but yeah, like Danny said, like, you know, he comes in and he immediately is a major contender for the AEW title. And, He's got a pretty good uh, mouthpiece with him in Taz, and uh, I feel like that's really all Cage was really missing was a mouthpiece. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. And I think a match between Brian Cage and um, and John Moxley um, might might be uh, interesting. Uh, I mean, and I'm not spoiling anything. I mean, if we haven't already seen all the results by now. Uh, but next up, a- MJF that defeats Jungle Boy. Um, uh, it was a nice match, but uh, totally skippable, so we'll do that here. Um, then tournament, the tournament final for the TNT Championship, Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer and... Uh, in, in this one, we saw both uh, Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts getting uh, kicked out for, uh, you know, he, surprisingly enough, seeing that Jake Roberts, I mean, Jake, that Arn Anderson was the one doing the shenanigans when I guess Cody's supposed to be a baby face, but um, whatever. I guess the crowd, quote unquote, enjoyed it. So, um, can, uh, by the way, in the crowd, you guys noticed one. Uh, Vicky Guerrero. I didn't notice her in the crowd at the time, but I did see her on Dynamite there in the uh, party where she came out as the cheerleader for the party for the Inner Circle. Um, I definitely yeah. saw her there, but I didn't. I didn't. I guess I missed her in the crowd. I really yeah, wasn't paying attention to who was in the crowd. Uh, so I guess opposite where Billy Gunn was. Um, okay. So, but yeah, I, I noticed she was there. Um, but yeah, so the TNT Championship, man, uh, Cody oh, wins, no, as so I think everyone Before you get no to the finish fighting. of the match, no, 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 you got to talk about the belt, okay? That's that's the bigger news in the match. Cody wins, yes. We, we you know, I think most of it, most of us thought he would, even if he, even if we didn't think he would. The big thing is the belt. So they they couldn't get the real belt in time, and so they just had like a, a prototype proxy kind of kind of championship. That that's that's the most independent ghetto wrestling thing I've heard. That's just so like it so, sounds so independent. Well, we couldn't get the belt on time, folks. 
So we we just got whatever the heck belt we could find. Yeah, it's the it's the it's a copy of the old NWA TV title from the eighties. But uh, here's your belt. It, yeah, it, was, it looked uh, like one of those belts you could get off uh, Craigslist or Amazon or whatever. Or uh, uh, yeah, that's like already. Are those made. like yeah? Are, are those at the store? Do you like make your own like the trophy store? Do you like make your own belt.com or whatever? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean it. It I so the 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 real story though is that being you know with with COVID and all this the. Makers couldn't get all the materials to have the belt ready in time, um, and apparently they'll once the belt is ready, they'll they'll start using that. But uh, pretty pretty kind of humorous in in an unintentional way that they had to use like some generic looking pro- early prototype as the actual belt to give away in the big belt ceremony on pay per view, no less. You know they might as well go for it and just use that belt. Why not? At this point, just go with it. I mean, they probably already paid all the money to the other guy for the other belt, so you know, they just they just they'll just do the you can just do the TNA route and just repurpose the red belt like somewhere down yeah. the line, you know, as as the Legends Championship or the the you know the whatever championship. Just rename it a few times and just hope nobody pays that much attention to the belt. Maybe maybe they can call it the Tuesday the the YouTube Tuesday Night Title. There you go. Tuesday yeah, night dark T- time. TNT. Yeah. TNT. Yeah. YouTube TNT. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yes. I no, I, I did I did actually uh surprisingly enough enjoy the match. Uh I, I really enjoy uh Lance Archer's work and he was definitely fantastic here. Cody, I I I, I don't dislike Cody. I don't think that he like he seems like he's on the game every match. And I think to me it's all about uh the opponents for Cody. It's like a a opponent can either make him or break him sometimes in matches. Uh but I thought in this one they both really look good. I really enjoyed everything and then you know with Cody kind of like doing moves, you know, some of his dad's moves and then his brother's move and then doing everything he could to put down the beast uh, and build, I mean, I, th- I thought it was a really fun match. No, the, ma- the match was really good. And, you know, I mean, we, you know, I'm a big Lance Archer fan, so I definitely really enjoy his stuff. But I kind of see what you're talking about with Cody where, you know, it, it depends on the championship and the match whether he's going to kind of go all out or not. Um, almost, you know. And this was pay per view, and and Lance Archer and Arn and Jake were there, and you, so you had those extra kind of things to happen. But but the match was the match was fun, you know. Like I said, I'm a big Archer fan, so I was good, happy to get to see you know him get a bigger stage in the United States than he has in a long time. You know, he's been doing so well in Japan for several years that. The United States hasn't gotten to see him in a in a more prolific role. You know, I mean, he had his run with TNA, you know, and he's had and he had a very very short run with WWE. Um, but they didn't, you know, he didn't really get the kind of opportunity as a top level single star, um, then that he he's getting right now. So I was I was definitely really happy about that. Um, seeing Archer perform at, at his top game. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun match. Um... 
Honestly, I don't think anybody's surprised that Cody came out on top. Um, I actually am glad to see Archer getting a run in America again. I was also a big uh, fan of his New Japan work. Uh, for a big guy, he's got pretty good moveset. I've actually been watching a little bit of his um, TNA early TNA work. Um, cause I've just like when he was still with uh, Kid Cash and stuff? Kid Cash, yeah, when he was yeah, Dallas. Yeah, team with Kid Cash, yeah, as Dallas. Yeah. yeah, I forgot he was Dallas. Uh, he didn't become... Was, Lance until he until uh, Rock and Rave, right? Yeah, yeah. We were texting the other night, like I was Kid Cash and Dallas were the tag champions, and it was, oh uh, man, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to see he's getting a, a decent little push. All right, I'll, uh, next, uh, Chris Statlander defeat uh, Penelope. Uh, Ford in uh, five uh, minutes, 30 seconds. So unless you guys have anything to say about it, uh, we have surpassed the 30-second mark, mark to talk about that, Matt. Well, I mean, I mean, the big thing was that it was supposed to be Statlander and Britt Baker. They'd been building that up yes. for weeks. And we and talked course, about, you know, possibly uh, Britt being injured. Yeah, so she was mm-hmm. injured. And then it was announced the day before that, for, that Penelope was there. And – Yet again, the match was fine, but it was you know everybody was expecting a big feud match, you know that would that would have a lot of heated uh, heated elements in it. But we didn't really get that. We just got kind of a yeah. sharp, okay, athletic match. Next, next up, D- Dustin Rhodes. I'm sorry, Eric. Did you want to say something about this match? No, I literally said all I had to say. Eh. Okay, all right. Uh, Dustin Rhodes defeats Sean Spear in what, for a while there, looked like he was a tuxedo match. Um, You know, uh, a lot. I mean, unless Dustin has a fetish. Over the years, we've seen that he possibly has a lot of different uh, fetishes. Um, We just don't know which one he might currently be, be experiencing. Right, but many people could say that those were Vince's fetishes, right? And he was living them wow. through Justin. He was living, he was living the dream for somebody else. Well, you know, you know hey, uh, if the price is right, that's all I got to say. Mm. Speaking of price, brought to you this evening by Chick-fil-A's Fresh Quiz Lemonade. Open Mondays through uh, Saturdays, closed on Sundays. And so, yes, um, a quick little match, three minutes, and then um, I guess uh, very interesting that um, Sean Spears had a, a, a picture of uh, a treasure on his crutch there, um, I guess yeah. keeping the old man close. I mean, I guess, yeah, it was, yeah. I think the less we say about that match, the better. All right. Well, uh, next up, uh, Hikoshida defeated Nala Rose uh, to win the uh, the AEW Women's Championship. Um, fun match. I mean, I thought that yeah, I was very surprised at the at the ending. I thought the match could have ended maybe three or four minutes before it did, but. Um, they fought everywhere, and they broke a lot of tables. And yeah, 
I was very surprised she didn't won. Um, anybody think that this this would have been different had Asuka not become women's champion? I mean, because look, I feel like every time Asuka becomes women's champion, somebody in another another company becomes champion. That's what happened in Ring of Honor, and now it's happened here. Coincidence? Ring, Am I Ring just of reading Honor into things? Switched to- I think you're reading into things kind of weird. Yeah. I think you're just finding similarities where they're not like intentional similarities. I mean, Hikaru Shida is, is super over as far as a babyface and underdog. And she's been having outstanding matches since, you know, debuting with, with all elite. Um, yeah. They won record in this match. I wanted to see, you know, Hikaru win, but I was also a little surprised that, Nyla Rose is kind of the monster destroyer was has already been defeated um, rather than having her in a lengthy title run, um, you know, squashing and, and crushing through the division. Um, but I guess they wanted to go another direction. And um, yeah, I guess this is, you know, it was a wild, crazy match as you would, as you would hope for when this, the stipulation says no DQ, no count out, um, you know, not, not what you typically see out of women's matches these days, but that's a good thing. Um, you know, that, that we got this when, so when other places really aren't doing that kind of thing. Um, but you know, Hukaru Shida gets, gets back her kendo stick and defeats the beast to, uh, to win the championship. And I guess the, the new thing is Holy Shida as they've already made shirts for it. And the crowd was chanting it after she won. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see you know a a good uh, a good title run from from Shida. Mm, yay Hikaru, that's yay. That's about it. All right, man. Um, John Moxley uh, defending his championship, which he had till then still did not have because Brody Lee had stolen it. Um, and he picks up uh, the submission win about 15 minutes. Uh, another match uh, that I very much enjoyed. Um, and uh, here, uh, John Mosley victorious uh, by submission. Um, yeah, but I think everybody at this point was ready for, for the main event. But yeah, Mosley still your champion. Um, I, I see a lengthy run for one John Moxley in AEW. Well, I mean, you know, the match was the match was fun. Uh, you know, as the the usual things you would expect from a match between these guys. I mean, they they had good matches together. You know, um, and in their previous employer of World Wrestling Entertainment, um, and. Uh, it was a fun match, you know. I like it, but then I guess, like you said, do we get a lengthy title run from Moxley? Um, I mean, it seems that he's got Brian Cage next, or at least somewhere down the line. Um, but you know, who who else is is would Moxley go up against right now? I guess um, if not Brian Cage. Yeah, I liked this match a lot. Um... Brody is somebody that I've been a fan of for a long time, even pre-WWE. So I'm glad that he's um, getting a chance to show 
the world, what he can do in a singles uh, capacity outside of his very brief uh, two singles runs in WWE before they threw him back with Rowan both times. Um, I really hope we do get a long title run from Moxley. Uh, He deserves it, honestly. And yeah, it looks like him and Cage are going to be the next up. That'll be a pretty interesting matchup, uh, especially if Taz is. Well, I guess Taz is going to be working Cage's corner because I guess that's his manager now. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what's next for Moxley. Um, should be good. Yeah, uh, I believe that they have announced uh, Moxley versus Cage for the AEW Championship at uh, Fighter Fest. Uh, that w- and that will be their next pay-per-view. Uh, and it'll be on uh, the... What is the date they had it for? I can't remember right now, but uh, yeah, that, that will be the next one. Uh, and so, yeah, Moxley versus Cage with tags there. And of course, uh, the best friends challenging... Um, the AEW Tag Team Champions, uh, whoever they are, by the time the Fire Fest comes around, uh, so yeah, that that would be that would be a fun one there. Um, now, before we get to the main, a bit, I, I, I did want to kind of bring up Mike Tyson. Of course, we had Mike Tyson over uh, during the TN, the TNT match, and he kind of looked like he wanted to get involved. It looks like. The relationship between AEW and Mike Tyson might be a, lo- a little bit longer than people might have thought, uh, especially with them teasing different things this past um, this past Wednesday. So, uh, will we will we see Mike Tyson uh, in a wrestling ring before a boxing ring? That is the question. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him compete. I think he might be, you know, referee slash special enforcer. I mean, the guy was sitting there front row and he looked bored. Okay, there's. Did you see that video clip where it caught him yawning, sitting there at ringside during the match? So well, he obviously was yeah. not excited um, at his time with with all elite. Um, you know, I mean, the guy's fifty years old now, so it's not like he he should be in there bumping around. Um, he probably shouldn't be boxing at his age, but you know the money's right. He'll go for it, even if it means somebody knocks him out, or they just hand him a schlub and he knocks that guy out. You know, um, it's yeah. I've never really been a Tyson fan, and I don't get the obsession where people think he's like still cool and still hip and fun and all that stuff. Like, just don't get it. Um, yeah. So I would rather them not do anything with him. Just let him go and do whatever he's going to do. Um, just away from the world of professional wrestling. But that's just me. Yeah. Apparently, I'm the, the I'm the big minority in that. No, I don't really want him in a wrestling ring either. I don't have any interest in that. I mean, he did want to see nineteen ninety eight. I mean, you got. We do gotta admit that, right? I mean, he did bring a lot of eyeballs uh, to wrestling uh, in his little stint with the WWE, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, think... yeah, at WrestleMania, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's WrestleMania. I mean, Floyd Money Mayweather did the same thing, but I don't want to see Floyd Money Mayweather wrestle again. 
Yeah, and well, obviously Floyd Money Mayweather wrestled the first time, but he brought a lot of eyes to, to wrestling. This is very true. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be. I I could I could see them do something with him. Um, you know, there there are talks that um, a bare knuckle fighting championship or whatever that's called. It wants to offer him uh, twenty million dollars to fight. That's I mean, a ridiculous amount of money for one fight. So why wouldn't you take it, even if even yeah. if you're going to make a fool of yourself? I can't. I can't imagine. AEW paying him that much money to do anything. Um, no, I, but, would, I wouldn't imagine so. But I mean, not supposedly, like appearance. yeah, I mean, supposedly that's the kind of money that Mayweather got from WWE. Supposedly, yeah, well, but, you know, we'll know yeah. well, yet again, the, Mayweather was younger, he was in the prime of his buzz as opposed to where Mike Tyson's like on his second or third resurgence, you know. And Mike Tyson's much older, so like I said, you don't want to see a guy in this, you know, at fifty years old just starting wrestling. You know, yeah. if he's continuing, that's a different story. But if he's just starting, like he's, it's, it would just be him trying to box a wrestler, which you know, wrestler versus boxer fights are are never really exciting. That's what you have mixed yeah. martial arts for. That's the whole point. Mixed martial arts people of mixed disciplines fighting each other. Well, what if he did? Uh, DDP yoga first. For how long? <laughs> I don't know. You saying that because Chris Jericho had DDP yoga, that he became a better champion or something? Well, I'm just saying. Well, look. Uh, who knows? Maybe DDP himself did yoga way before he started wrestling. You know, he just didn't monetize it until after the fact. Who knows? I'm just saying. DDP has done, you know, has done wonders with his yoga. My he has. I mean, he has saved lives, I guess you could say, right? So, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I think if, if the deal's right, if it makes sense, they might. But it, it looks like they will be continuing something. The Tyson saga has not is not yet over. Um, so now here we are, the main event, uh, which apparently I hear took uh, twelve hours to tape. Twelve hours to tape a single wrestling match. Yeah, a a thirty four minute match took twelve hours to tape. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it, it makes a little sense. There's no way I don't think that uh, Matt Jackson could have gone from one end to another uh, all at the same time. So it's possible that he did it in like intervals and all that. And they, I guess they taped a lot of this stuff separately. That That's one of my guesses, right? It's not like all these fights were happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Different where the fight were happening, different places they were filming that fight, and then they would go and start over again and kind of film right. the fight. You know, and I, you know, probably they 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 might have done like you know the indoor stuff during the day, so it looked like evening at night. They held the other stuff, the outdoor stuff for night. They probably taped the end. Which, by the way, 
I don't know why, but I just find the entrances, the football entrances, goofy. Um, I mean, yeah, it was just what it was, I guess. I mean, that was part of the match they wanted to have, you know, so they do the entrances through the stadium. Just because I think the elite likes an over-top entrance, and then, of course, Jericho and his is the inner circle. They want an elite entrance, too. They want something crazy and over-the-top. Overall, though, I thought the match was actually fun. I giggled. Uh, giggled. I giggled uh, a few times. Uh, when uh, I think it was Ortiz didn't want to get in the pool because he couldn't swim. Uh, yeah. It was funny. Uh, the recreation of the of you know the golf cart trying to hit Sammy was kind of funny. Um, the mask is getting beat up by Jericho was funny. Um, yeah, it, it had a few funny moments that uh, drinking at the bar, uh, you know, Hangman Page riding a horse around instead of fighting. I guess he was truly horsing around instead of actually wrestling in the match. Oh, man. Um, Come on. That's bad. That's bad. I've said worse. Uh, I mean, you have, and you will, and you will continue to say worse at later dates. But this is this is uh, it's like grown worthy dad joke level. Oh, well, look. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I, it, I was it was surprisingly entertaining because I just I feel like okay, I I, I think I know what I'm going to expect, and I got everything. Uh, I expected out of these guys. Uh, but yeah, I thought that it was um, it, it was entertaining for the most part. And uh, I don't know. Uh, am I ready for them to end this? I, I am. But I don't believe that they will end this anytime soon. Um. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like things are, are entirely over between the Elite and the Inner Circle. I mean, really, they're the only two factions right now. So unless you break them both up, they're constantly going to be drawn to each other because they're still vying for power and control. I mean, you've still got the Dark Order. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, true. But I mean, yeah, outside but... of uh, Brody and... Um, what, I don't even remember their names. I just call them the Super Smash yeah. Brothers because that's what I know. Outside of Brody, that's it. Outside of Brody, no one's yeah, really, no one really knows. I think they're anybody. just Uno and I think they're still just Uno and Dose, right? Isn't that it? I no, thought it was Uno and Grayson. What, Grayson. what about that guy yeah. from? Uh, what about that guy that from uh, Marshall's he's, company? Ten. Yeah, he's okay. his name is Ten. Yeah, he's. He's ten, but he's like he's Cody Vance, but he's he was Cody Vance, but he's ten, I think, or just ten Vance or something. Um, but Stu, yeah, Stu Dose, uh, yeah, I guess he was Stuart Grayson, um, or just Grayson, but either yeah. way. So it's Evil Uno, yeah, Stu Grayson, so just Grayson uh, Brody Lee, John yeah. Silver, okay, Alex Silver's Reynolds. Okay, so the Beaver Boys uh, are there. Okay, and then eight, nine, and ten. 
Eight, nine, and ten. Okay. <laughs> Eight, nine, and ten being the henchmen, I guess, without names. Yeah. Not, not sure who uh, eight or nine are. Do you guys know who eight and nine are? <sighs> no, I hadn't really paid that much attention. Um, I mean, they could be local guys to the Atlanta area who've been able to work, or they could be, you know, who, uh, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a nine or uh, an eight or nine. I, I mean, I assumed as such, but I didn't know they were distinctly named eight and nine. Since there was a 10, I assumed that they were counting all other nine members before him, but I didn't know that they were just some of the other guys were given just numbers as well. Yeah, well, I guess to be be revealed later. Yeah, probably so. But I guess we're not done with the Inner Circle and and the Elite especially, you know, as Jericho wants to – Jericho still wants to take them out. He still wants them out of the way so that he can lead the company. You know, so I, it the match was wild. It was crazy. Like you said, it had all said silly moments. Um, still not really a huge fan of the cinematic wrestling. Um, oh, you consider it cinematic? Like I do consider it cinematic because it was taped so long in advance and taped multiple places. I consider it kind of in the same vein as more along the ways of like Gargano and Champa's cinematic wrestling versus the Boneyard. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do consider it kind of as such in the same, in the same genre, I guess. Um, In the family. Yeah, there you go. Being that um, they're, was seemingly so much hatred and animosity between these two cliques. I kind of was a little thrown back by some of the silliness um, being that I wanted, you know, I think people wanted, I, I guess people enjoyed the kind of the silly moments and the kind of the, the insider or whatever, but I would have expected more of a, a fight, you know, less of kind of some silly moments and comedy and, you know, just five, Two teams of five guys just beating the ever-loving snot out of each other, you know, bleeding and and hitting each other with weapons and trying to end each other's careers, you know, versus some of the silly stuff we saw. I mean, we did see some of that, but I guess I was just hoping for more of that and less of kind of the cheeky shenanigans um, when you essentially have it's a top feud. But, I mean, people loved it. They loved it, and I guess that's, you know, yet again, I'm kind of in the minority where – I it wasn't really for me, but that's okay. Um, that's okay that it wasn't for me. It, a lot of people enjoyed it, and I'm happy for them. Eric, was it for you? Um, it wasn't nearly to me as entertaining as the Boneyard or the uh, Firefly Funhouse match, but I mean, it had its moments. It wasn't terrible by any means. Like I, I enjoyed it, but just not. Um, just not as much as uh, those other two matches. So, it, I, okay, and I can definitely agree that this is a cinematic angle match, kind of. Uh, so, is this another coincidence, or are they taking another, or are they saying, hey, WWE, you, you copied us with the, you know, with the fake fans in the stand, so... Uh, we're going to do this for our, our main event like you did. Is, is that what they're doing here? Which, by the way, the whole fake fans in the stands, I hate it. And 
makes me even more glad to put the wrestling on mute. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, is is this another point of the, of AEW trying to be different from WWE by being the same or doing I mean, the it same? Very, it very well could be saying, "Hey, we see what you do, and we can do it better." You know, I don't know if that's kind of the case. AEW likes to do that, as you kind of mentioned. Another case of them doing this. Um, it could be. Or they could have been planning this for a lot longer. We don't, you know, to do it this way for a lot longer. We don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it could. It could be like you said, a case of hey, we see what you're doing, but we can do it better. And we can do it in a way that that our fans will enjoy. Well, the question yeah, is, possible. did they do it better? We don't think so. But I will say. Uh, because everything else that that I saw basically happened as I expected it, uh, and just because of the goofiness and entertainment factor of it all, I'm going with the with, with this uh, match uh, with the main event as my match of the night. Surprisingly, so um, really okay. I I enjoyed all the other matches, but nothing like blew me away to say, "Hey, this match was amazing." Um, okay. Uh, maybe the TNT match came close, but I think okay. the un- the fact that the main event was a little bit uh, unexpected for me to actually enjoy. I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much as I did. I think I I, I gave it I gave it my match at night due to the enjoyment factor okay. that I was not expecting. Okay. My match of the night would be would be Sheeta versus Nyla Rose. Um, you know, they did a whole lot of stuff. They did and it was ultimately it was kind of the match I was looking forward to um from the card. You know, Brody Lee and, and John Moxley, I think kind of are a very, very close second. But um I'll go with my match of the night I'll go with Sheila and Rose. Um <clears throat> I'll probably go with um Brody versus uh, Moxley just because I really wanted to see what these two could do uh, to tangle up one-on-one instead of um, three-on-three for a while. And um, I think it delivered. I think they did really well. I think the close second to me would be uh, Sheeta and uh, Nyla, just because I was hoping that Sheeta would take the title off of Nyla, and she did. Um, So, yeah. And finally... What grade do we give it? I mean, there were overall there were some things that really were just very passable. I mean, Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears. I mean, Statlander, Penelope Ford. You know, that match. Even even MJF versus Jungle Boy was a decent match, but like it didn't it didn't feel like a quote unquote pay per view quality match. Like it didn't feel, the feud didn't feel pay per view quality to me. Um. I'm gonna go like a B. Just, you know, it was it was good. There were some enjoyable moments, but it was it was by far what I would consider a perfect event. Yeah, I'll probably give it a B minus. Um, it wasn't anything great, but it also wasn't anything terrible. All right, well, I'll round it up with uh, a B plus. 
because I think they did put the effort uh, at the very least. Uh, but yeah, so B's all around uh, AEW, uh, the the beehive uh, of professional wrestling on this show tonight. Uh, but uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with you know, like I said, the whole fallout. This uh, you know, will we see Mike Tyson again? Uh, and, I, and if he does, I think he'll 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 probably re- end up wrestling Jericho because that's just what makes the most sense. Um, and we'll be next for the elite. Um, of course, we did uh, this past Wednesday see the um, the first ever uh, I guess debut of uh, FTR, the former revival, the former mechanics of NXT. Uh, so yes, uh, are we shocked? I don't think so. Uh, maybe surprised they were there. That I thought they might have had longer, uh, non complete, but I guess not. I think I think somebody's. I think people have poked holes through that so many times that they're not. Most people aren't afraid of it anymore. And if you got Tony yeah. Khan's money back in you, then then he'll go to court for you. So yeah, I know I know we kind of talked about them making more sense uh, in the NWA, but of course NWA is now running shows, and these two guys uh, are ready to go. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, uh, FTR well, they, now. They didn't really. They didn't really look really ready to go. They looked well, they, kind of like they just got off the plane, like they were still kind of tired. Well, well. Hey, I mean, they, they probably drove all the way from Stanford when they signed the chat, you know, the, the contracts release and just probably just got to Jacksonville. Yeah, like I said, I mean, they definitely didn't look top tier caliber shape coming in, but, you know, give them a few weeks, maybe they'll be better in better shape. So, yeah, so FTR, uh, are we ready for a revolution in the tag team scene here? Um, and how soon before they put the titles on these guys? How soon? Well, I mean, I think you wait a little bit. I think you build them up because I don't, I don't think they need the titles right away. What they need right away, they want big feuds. They want big tag team matches. So they don't necessarily need the belts. Um, right away you know i think they want the jacksons first i think they want you know penta and phoenix when they're both healthy um you know i think they want you know private party i think they want those kind of teams they want you know santana and ortiz uh i think they want good tag team matches and tag team feuds so you don't have to put the belts on them you can but i think you could have great like you know tag team matches and still have the tag team titles be elsewhere Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if they're necessarily going to put the titles on them right away. Um, WWE would put the titles on them on their first match. That's what WWE likes to do with new new people coming in. Give them a belt right away, let people know they mean business, but I don't think you need to do that in this situation. No. um, I really do believe, like you, that they're they're waiting for uh, Penta and Phoenix to be healthy. I think they really want the belts on Penta and Phoenix. Um, yeah, I, 
I hope that they can get back into ring, get the ring rest out because honestly, they looked a little sloppy. Um, that shattered machine was terrible. Um, that I'm just attributing it to ring rest. I like the revival, or formerly the revival. And uh, I hope they actually do well in AEW. It's a good tag team that brings um, a lot of credibility to that tag team tag team scene. So fingers crossed that they do well. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do think that they they will. Uh, I can I kind of uh, not surprised that they're uh, and yeah, everybody's going to be excited uh, about them being there. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what will be next for them. Uh, so let's move over. Uh, Monday Night Raw came up with a few uh, little surprises, uh, guys. Apollo Cruz is your new United States champion. I'm happy about it. I like Cruz, and he's been busting his butt the last couple months, um, having really good matches. So I'm happy that, that he now has the U.S. title to, to wear around his waist. Yeah, good for Apollo. He's, like like Danny just said, he's busting his butt uh, for it. It feels like this was like the third or fourth time that they started a push for him, but every single time um, it gets kind of pushed back and it gets killed for whatever reason. But... Um, this time they decided not to kill it, and that's awesome. So good for Cruz. He's very athletic. He's going to be good at what he does, and I, I don't know if the company just doesn't think that they can rely on Andrade anymore, but they, they definitely took the belt off of him quick. Yeah, uh, you know, I really uh... – I, I really was surprised, uh, and I don't know what was behind the, you know, behind him not having the belt, uh, Andrade losing the belt. Uh, could it be part of the, him uh, failing his wellness test? Um, that could that could have played a part in it. Um, you know, I, I think we all knew though what kind of wrestler. Um, Apollo Cruz was and what he could bring to the table and when he came over maybe there was an excitement to it and there was a little bit of buzz but then that kind of quickly died down and uh, Apollo Cruz was more like a, a superstar so main event wrestler uh, we barely yeah, saw him on time. TV Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I think just the work ethic, just being there, just, I mean, the way that he can do some things with his size is is great, you know. Um, and then not only that, but, you know, now that you're in this situation, of course, with WWE releasing so much talent, and then, of course, they have some talent that's they're not able to bring because of COVID-19, and so they have to rely more on on the on the local Orlando guys and gals, and here you have a Polo Cruz, somebody who's been showing up and showing what they got, and they were given he was given the ball, and he's proven his worth. And yeah, 
I, I definitely do think uh, if if the machine gets behind him, he can do a lot of things. I mean, you can say that about anybody, right? And, about anybody, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that, that that's what some people have been displeased about, right? When the machine doesn't get behind them. Uh, we've heard a lot about that. I, I guess a lot of that can be said for uh, the former sack rider. Uh, but yeah, but it's when the machine does get and, and here is a guy who's definitely taking, uh, you know, taking the opportunity that he's got and making the best of it. And I think that uh, he can definitely he can definitely be a main eventer uh, in the WWE, no doubts. Uh, and I'm I'm happy for it. Yeah, it was a very pleasant surprise. Very pleasant surprise. Yeah, I wasn't expecting <laughs> it, but uh, I'm glad it happened. Yeah, and uh, the way he did it too was it, it was also surprising. Uh, now, Eric, your iconics, man. Uh, there, you know, I I don't know. At first, I was like, what's going on? Uh, you know, because they just they, they weren't clicking, but they 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 have one mission in their mind, and that is to become uh, the tag team champions. Will they do it? Will they become women tag team champions again? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind that they'll become tag team champions. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross can't keep this up. They're not even really friends. The iconics are life partners. What makes you think that an accidental slap is gonna, you know, break up the greatest tag team in women's wrestling history? I mean, let's let's be honest here. Who hasn't gotten mad before and like hauled off and punched their friend? Like, it's just it, it's what happens. Friends fight, but if you're loyal, you know that it was an accident, or you know that tensions were high, and that's exactly what happened. And I think that they made a statement this week, and I'm hoping at Backlash they take those titles. And it's okay. Um, so we finally saw Disciple Austin, or Brother Austin, or whatever they're calling them. I don't know if they even called them anything other than Austin Theory and uh, and uh, Murphy. They, uh, they call them, no, they call them Murphy, yeah. I forget they 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 get rid of the buddy a long time ago. How long before yeah. Austin Theory loses uh, Austin and becomes Theory and just becomes Theory? Uh, yeah, I I guess it depends where he goes. Is he you know I mean he's not. I mean I get yeah. Well, so he is with Seth Rollins though. So um, yeah, probably pretty soon. I would say the next couple of weeks because they want. Apparently, the story behind why he's no longer Buddy Murphy and he's just Murphy is because it's supposed to be like a a military esque kind of thing. <coughs> what they what they were to, what they said at one time that you know they're only going to use their last names like like military guys, you know. Um, so I think that is part of it. So yeah, it would it probably be pretty soon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. plus, I mean, how many times are they going to confuse Austin with Austin? You know what I'm saying? They already have an Austin. I mean, they've already had one Austin. I mean, you don't want to get you don't want to get people confused and make make him think that he's the same one. I mean, they look yeah. so much alike, you know. They're so they very do. similar in all 
and everything. Pretty much identical. Yeah, it could have been yeah, tweedly. So. I mean, it it, it could have they could have just you know yeah so. Yeah, I mean, like you said though, it, because of that, and they don't like to have people with similar names. I'm surprised they gave they let him be considered and called Austin Theory when he first came up. Anyways, I'm surprised they wouldn't just change his name already to Theory or or change. That it was definitely else. yeah. That that was definitely uh, very surprising to me as well. I, I did not really really think because okay, although you know maybe he's very well known here in the Georgia area. And you know, with evolve and whatnot, but Austin Theory is no, no, no name that everybody is gonna know, right? It's not like coming from the Indies. Oh, everybody knows, you know, Kevin Steen, Tyler Black, you know, all these other guys. I mean, and you know, they change other people's names who they really did. I mean, come on, Chris here. Why do you change that name? That name is so awesome, you know? Yeah, but. Yeah, uh, but I, I definitely did not expect him to keep Austin Theory, and then I didn't expect him to keep it in the main roster. I thought, oh, maybe on NXT he'll still have it, but they'll change it. They've done that before. Yeah, you know, I mean, they did it. I mean, with technically just the name of you know, Revival when they were the mechanics, but they, I mean, they changed other people's names. I can't remember whose, but they changed other people's names. I mean, Finn so, Valerie, you know, he wasn't Fergal, he wasn't Prince Devitt or Fergal Devitt. They changed his name. They changed Kenta, you know, they changed him to Hideo Itami. Right. Uh, Sami Zayn. But yeah, Asuka, they, they changed Sami Zayn entirely. They made him drop the mask and all that stuff, and he was a top guy. On the hey, internet. hey, two different guys, okay? Sami Zayn has okay. always been Sami Zayn. Gotcha. El Generico gotcha. went back home to, you know, Run the orphanage for the little Ninos. That's right. El Generico is probably uh, teaming up with uh, Nacho uh, in Mexico. Uh, they're probably the he's probably his new tag team partner, uh, and they're doing Lucha Libre in Mexico. So please, different people, okay? Um, All right, but yeah. And, K- and King Cuerno and he and are different guys too. Just sort of yep. clear on that. They have yep. they have similar tattoos, yes, but they're two different guys. Agreed. Whatever. Anyways, uh, where was I? Yeah, Monday Night Raw. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, who's excited about Drew? Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley because I'm not. Nope. Mm. Yeah. I mean, good, Lashley's uh, he's a good athlete, but he's just there's something, you right? That's like he's man. just so boring, so dry. Yep. He's like he's like the middle of the Sahara Desert, dry. Okay, like you think you think somewhere in there there's there's a there's a little bit of water and and but it's just a mirage. He's just dry. Okay, and the and they had something with him to help spice him up, and then they eventually got rid of. They kicked Leo Rush to the side. Yep. I mean, I get it. He he was annoying, but he was supposed to be. You weren't supposed to like him. 
completely agree with that. Like, Leo was really good as his hype man, and because God knows Lashley can't cut a promo to save his life. Um, and then, like, what? It was two or three weeks later, he was already gone. Um, no, he was on two. He was, yeah, he it was, went to it was a couple NXT of, and became the champion for a little bit, but it was yeah, like I was a few say, months later. It was later. a couple of months that he was like his manager, yeah. Um, yeah. And then they tried the whole Rusev Lana thing. And, that and then work. the big surprise yeah. was the the whole give that all that did was basically give us that one match between Liv and Lana. Essentially, yeah. That was the whole thing built to that one match that was entirely missable. Where one of them's a wrestler and the other one's really not, so it was boring yeah. as it could possibly be. Yeah. But, alas, I'm not excited for this. I hope Drew runs through him and we uh, move on to an actual story for Drew. Well, I mean, with with the roster kind of limited, I think ultimately they just need somebody who seems like they could pose a threat to to Drew. And ultimately he can because we've known Lashley to be a champion before. So he poses that kind of threat. You know, he's big, he's powerful. It's not going to be an exciting match or a feud, but he does pose a threat. You know, he gives what everybody says, poses a threat to somebody, you know, Drew, who's been, who's been dominant himself, you know, as of late. So... You know, that's that's what it is, but it's it definitely seems a little strange. It's it yeah, it's not going to be great. I mean, they're former, you know, kind of former tag partners, but nobody cares about that. True, very true. Yeah. So let's let's take a quick er, er, the early look at Backlash. Backlash, of course, uh, promoted. By having the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, and, of course, it will be happening two weeks from this Sunday. Uh, live on uh, WWE Network. So, the greatest wrestling match ever between Randy Orton and Edge. <laughs> Let us sink in. Yeah. All right, two guys who All are right. known for their technical prowess. Let's let's keep in mind that later on the show we're gonna be talking about five of uh, our favorite Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson matches. Yeah. Obviously, right? Bryan doesn't hold a candle to Edge or Randy Orton. Obviously, but here, Randy and and Edge are going to give us the greatest wrestling match. Ever. We'll okay. see about that. Of so, all time. In the history of the uh, universe. Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison for the uh, Universal Championship. So I guess whoever pins Braun wins the championship. But I, I guess, guess if they if they both pin them at the same time, which is probably but the only way they can win. Uh, they would be co-champions. I guess, uh, but it's how many times I, I would say 19 out of 20 times when the good guy is in a handicap match, and, you know, two or three, he wins. You know, so I don't think we have that much of a, 
a threat of Braun actually losing the belt to the Miz, the Morrison, or the both of them. Um, but it, it could it could be possible, but I definitely don't see it as as uh, as happening in a in a handicap situation like this. Like you said, uh, nineteen of twenty times it would go Braun's way, but they are finally going to put the title on John Morrison. Mayor of Slamtown taking home the taking the belt back to Slamtown, taking the belt back to Slamtown, brother. Mm. And, uh, of course, Nia Jax won the uh, number one contenders match at, uh, uh, on Monday Night Raw. So she will be facing Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, yeah, so uh, I consider Asuka a national treasure, and I hope Nia Jax doesn't screw that with her. Well, well Nia Jax is... is- has been hurting people, so if hopefully Asuka gets a uh, gets a little payback on her. Yeah, I was about to say, is it wrong for me to hope that Asuka just beats the ever loving shit out of Nia Jax and calls it a match? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if she did. And look, Nia Jax with the attitude she's been having and with the way that. She's been acting and being careless. You know what? Maybe she deserves it. There's, there's I mean, I know it's not right to say. Deserve it. She deserves it. I don't know. She, I, don't, I don't appreciate Especially for, first when she's standing up for her friend, right? When she's standing up for her friend being bullied or beat up by Ronda and she goes and is careless against other workers much smaller than her and then uses that multiple times and then uses that to make herself you know more important and and a heel persona on 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 the social media that's just ridiculous it's it's just it's yeah it's ridiculous but it's whatever uh, Oscar will put her in her place, hopefully. But yeah, those are the first four matches that we have so far uh, for Backlash. Uh, again, on the early network, two weeks from Sunday. Now, on to Wednesday night, the NXT. Um, so. My theory looks like it was correct. Look, there was Pexiglass, and there were fans, and there was Drake Maverick wrestling. So, yes, Drake Maverick is wrestling for WWE after being released from his contract. Yeah. So maybe it is is a way, like you said, where they're giving him this, you know, pay-for-play or or Mm. whatever. Or maybe it was really this Absolutely. all this big thing in order to get people like he didn't actually get fired, and maybe they're going to put the belt on him, and it was a way to get fans behind him. That's possible. And I he's mean, just like, possible. and he's just like an astounding actor. Look, it could be. I mean, we we've known that this make can change his mind. I mean, you know, we saw what happened with uh, Drew Gulak. He was sent over to the alumni uh, section. 
of uh, the roster, and it, it, all the reports were saying that he was gone. A week later, they're saying that he's back with the company. You know? Well, the the difference is with Gulak is he wasn't let go. His contract was just up, and they had yet to sign a new one. So he wasn't technically fired. He wasn't released. He wasn't furloughed. He just was – It was he was he his contract was up, and he wasn't sure if he was going to resign. They were still in negotiations. So they went ahead and moved him, and then he ended up res- you know, signing again with, with them. And so they, totally. they moved him back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we have uh, Drake Maverick surprisingly uh, defeating Kushida and Jake Atlas uh, to win the match. Of course, you know we saw Kushida uh, had the um, the arm drag uh, here. The, had a Jake Atlas arm, and it looked like he was going to, uh, you know win by submission, but then Maverick kind of like pinned Atlas, and before Atlas could tap, he got pinned. Um, yeah. And Interesting so finish. Drake, J- yeah. So Drake is going to face Elijo de Fantasma for the interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Uh I don't remember. I don't know. I, of course, I had it on mute, so I did not see uh, where they're actually having this match. Um, are they having it on Smack on NXT? I would assume they didn't it's a take at the in your house. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. But I haven't been advertised for it. Yeah, I didn't see it on the advertisement in the in the. I just, but yes, yeah, possibly. But you know, then again, do you really want to put your Non-contracted talent on, uh, you know, on one of your big, you know, takeover shows. Interesting. But Drake Maverick, yeah, your winner. Um, Johnny Gargano wrestled Adrian Alanis. Of course, we know Adrian Alanis, WWE 4 talent. We've seen him. So, you know, in Evolved, MLA. Uh, getting a shot here against Gargano, who finally decided to leave uh, once again his house. Uh, but I, just as the Garganos left their home, Keith Lee and Mia Yim were in theirs. It's like they can't get their schedules together. Yeah, well, apparently that's the fun of it. Yeah, I guess the theme is somebody's got to be in their house. Every single week yeah. leading to uh, your house. I guess. Maybe. Goodness. I don't know. Uh, Good. Uh, of course, we're ne- okay, so we're nearing uh, the one-year anniversary of uh, Adam Cole being uh, NXT champion. <laughs> uh, and, you know... The interwebs are saying that his contract's coming up this year. So, let's talk about Adam Cole for a moment. Baby. Let us. Does, does he stay, does he resign with WWE and, you know, continue to lead a faction that makes him pretty good merch money and probably even more once he joins the main roster? 
where you know he, he's definitely a top guy. Or does he go to AEW to become the dentist's husband? I mean, I don't want to like say if he's smart, he stays with WWE. But I mean, like, legitimately, if he's smart, he stays with WWE. I mean, you pretty much ran NXT for two years, like. Yeah, it won't be any, earn that, be any earn different that on the main money. roster. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, hopefully not. Hopefully they don't like bring him up to the main. Ro- I mean, if he signs a deal, you know that kind of sh- that somehow he can kind of guarantee a, a a good spot once he gets to the main roster. I would say absolutely. Um, Roster money, get that merch sales from the undisputed Aaron gear. Get you know have him make a bunch of babe, you know Adam Cole baby T-shirts. You know, um, I would say he's it, it's in his best interest right now to sign with to re-sign with them. I don't know if he's going to get as big a um, a place if he goes um, to AEW or not. Yeah, I mean, we've seen all the indie darlings, right? That are they were like headlining their, you know, their own shows in other companies. Yeah. And when they come to AEW, I feel like all these guys are second tier to the elite and to, you know, Jericho and his friends. So if you're not with one of those two groups, you're in the mid card. And I'm not saying that. Adam Cole would not be in the mid card in well in the release. He's, he's BFFs with the elite, so he'll fit right in. Yeah, he's he was former. You know when when the Bullet Club was in in Ring of Honor and they couldn't have AJ Styles every show. Adam Cole was essentially the Bullet Club USA you know, slash Ring of Honor yeah. leader with the Bucks. So baby, but, he'll fit right in. I mean, I think I think he could in a way, but look, I still don't. I still I still think that he would slightly get lost in the shuffle. I mean, look, uh, I, I don't him, see. Yeah. I I mean, I think that maybe he'll be rated higher than Hangman Page, but he'll never be the guy. You know, he'll always be. You know, it, even if he is with the elite, let's just say with the elite, he's like the third, fourth, or fifth guy. In the group, with you know, with undisputed era, he's calling his shots. He is the guy, no questions asked. Yep. And look at all those T-shirts. Yeah, literally. I mean, you, you can't deny. I mean, and I'm not saying that he wouldn't do that well with the uh, you know T-shirts with you know in merch with AEW, but. I'm sorry. The machine that is WWE right now gives him the opportunity to be able to do whatever he to make as much money as he wants. I mean, and and I, I don't think that Adam Cole is one of those people who is unhappy with his role, who's been yeah. underused, underutilized. That you know, there's nothing for him to be unhappy about. Okay, so they don't let him be in public with his wife at you know in for another company. Sure, there's politics. There's always gonna be those politics. But is that really something worth giving up 
what he's got going here? No, I, I, I definitely don't think so. I mean, he should write this out until he truly is unhappy or just really wants to go be with his friends and his and his and his wife. But I, I think the time is not yet because look, without you know, Adam Cole, the undisputed era is not the undisputed era that it is now. And I believe and I, I believe that Triple H sees that value in Adam Cole. All right. I mean, they're giving him a special this Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. a week from last Sunday on the, on, you know, on social media and whatnot for, you know, his reign of terror or whatever you want to call it, you know? So there's that, you know, they're helping him. Public. They just want to, you know, make you feel special. And I think they see that value in him and they'll make it worth it to keep, to let him stay. Look, didn't they offer the revival have a million bucks to stay a year or something like that? And, I don't really remember that. Or or whatever. I don't know. I, that's what I saw in the interweb. But I they think they just deny threw it. a number out there just to see if they could keep them from going to AEW, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, just imagine how much more they would offer Adam Cole. Because Adam Cole makes them a lot of money. Okay, but... Yeah. Oops, go ahead, Danny. I was gonna say that I I pretty much with you that Adam Cole is it's in you know seems that it's in his best interest to stay with WWE right now because yeah he could get I don't know if he would get the same money in AEW I don't know if he would get you know he may end up being a mid card guy in both places we don't know but um but I think it's it's certainly I think WWE is a better fit for him right now. I mean, a couple yeah. years down the line, five years down the line, maybe it's a different story. Well, yeah. there's only so many people that AEW can quote unquote get, because I'm I'm sure that Cole would cost I'm I'm sure Cole cost him a pretty penny. I'm sure Revival co- would cost him a pretty penny or did cost him. Um, Shoot, Mike Tyson's costing them a pretty penny. Oh, yeah, Tyson, I'm sure Jericho, yeah. the Elite, like all of them, like they, they're probably not making chunk change, so uh, they, they don't need to just be throwing money around just to throw money around just to try to get people. Like, yeah, Adam's great, but we saw what happened to people that were just getting million dollar contracts to come to WCW, and uh, it didn't work out too well. Yeah, at some point. The Can family is gonna be like, okay, we we can only spend so much money this, because they're putting in more money than they're coming out, right? I mean, we still don't know that deal with TNT, but you know, we know it was a friendly deal between the two between the you know the two. Uh, so, are they necessarily profitable, especially now that they don't have, uh, you know, live gates? I mean, that that's hurting everybody, right? But are are they making the money in TV revenue that the WWE is making with uh, SmackDown and Raw and NXT? Absolutely not. So, yeah, it, it's it's definitely an interesting thing. So, yeah, uh, I, I hope to see Adam Cole continue to be uh, in uh, NXT and eventually the main roster. 
Um, you know, I can I I imagine Undisputed Era getting their you know WrestleMania moment, and that'll be huge. You know, the whole WWE universe will be you know too sweeting everywhere. You don't need the young bucks or the elite too sweet. You know, you got Adam Cole. True. Really, no baby? Come on, people. I I said it several times. Yeah. Okay, we can, we can't keep up with everyone. It just becomes competitive. Well, it's oh, so okay. Uh, Leon Ruff, uh, all, you know, uh, got destroyed once again uh, on an NXT. Uh, poor guy had to go back to back with uh, Cross and then Chiampa. He, but man, can we talk about that catcher riddle match? Um, let's talk about it. All right. Um, it was basically just a regular cage match, but the rules were a little different, right? I mean, that's kind of all it came. Up, yeah, it ended up being. It wasn't exactly. Well, you had to let you had to like the rules because you had angle, and you don't know what you're gonna get with angle as a referee. Well, you know, but. I just meant like the rules were going to be different because it was kind of supposed to be a, a hybrid MMA fight, but it wasn't really mm-hmm. the lion's den. Like they put them in just a regular wrestling ring and then they had a cage around it. Yes, it was a very big structure. Yeah, but it still wasn't uh, the lion's den, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I that's what I was thinking. Den. I wanted the return of the lion's den, okay? But that's kind of like Ken Shamrock's thing. It doesn't really work. Everything got Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock's too busy with uh, Impact. He's with Impact right now, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Twenty twenty. Yeah, but look, Thatcher may have won the match, but he lost some teeth, and he lost some teeth early. Well, I mean, Thatcher had already been missing a couple teeth to start. Yeah. So he just he just got a few more knocked out. But the the real winner, although he lost the match, is Matt Riddle because Matt Riddle was announced today as a member of the SmackDown roster. So you apparently lose the big match and you end up getting a better position. Um. So he might have gotten the he might have gotten his. You know, knock, knock, silly, knocked, uh, knocked pretty heavily. As they, did, they definitely both went in there, you know, coming hard at each other. But uh, Riddle's the real winner as he goes up to SmackDown and gets that main roster money. True. Well, yeah. I mean, you always, you know, usually job do the job on your way out, right? I mean, that's that's how. The, that's when you go to a different territory, it's loser leaves the territory kind of match. Yeah. Yeah. I tweeted no. out uh, Wednesday night that all I wanted was for Thatcher to beat the shit out of Riddle, and Thatcher beat the shit out of Riddle. So he okay. beat him out of he beat him out of town is what you're saying, even though he's yeah. still the taping in both in the same town. And I barely watch SmackDown, so now I don't even have to deal with Matt Riddle ever again. Yay. Listen, all right. So you're saying that after we're done with our. Uh, next week's with Shawn Michaels, then we can do a Ric Flair watch along, then we'll do a Matt no. Riddle watch along. No, I mean you're already torturing me by making me watch Shawn Michaels. 
I mean, I'm not a huge Michaels fan either, but, you know. I'd rather watch him than Rudolph. Rudolph makes sacrifices. Come down. Come down. I just wanted to see what you would say, Patrick. Come down. His response is, bro. 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 That's my whole gimmick, bro. Chill out. I'm disappointed in you, Patrick. You glossed over an important thing that happened Tuesday. What important thing happened Tuesday that I glossed over? I mean, I'm not covering everything, but what did I miss? You missed the virtuosa. Well, I was get I was getting well. Look, I had finished with NXT. You know, I mean, you're the one to start talking about SmackDown, or was it Danny? We were me. just I jumped ahead. Yeah, I jumped ahead. Yeah, Danny segued. You guys, we we didn't even properly end talking about it. All right, I still had one more note about NXT. Um, <laughs> so we kind of talked about you know. Again, my point of yes, Drake Maverick fired by still being used. Yeah, Angle. You know, I brought this up on on uh, on our messaging talk there on the on the messenger. Hey, they're using uh, Angle, and he was fired. Yeah, yeah. You know, so again, another uh, another um, uh, what do you call it? The English words lose me. Um, and another point of how they are, they can use people to define after the fact. Yeah. Just a, another extra point, just to show that I'm right, because I am right. But yes, yeah, so go ahead. Wednesday night. What did we get? What, what's the night? I thought Impact Air on, on Tuesdays. That's what I said. He said Tuesday. You said Wednesday. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. He said Tuesday. Well, You're getting sorry. your days mixed I, up again, sir. I, I just saw the news today, anyways, because oh, you know, I don't okay. watch Impact. So it finally shut up on my. Uh, he has a right. Twitter machine, apparently. Either. Well, sometimes you know, there's things called jogging. No, um, those are fake. Rest uh, jobs are fake. <laughs> but yeah. All right, so. Tell everybody, uh, Eric, uh, how impact the impact zone has. Do they still call it the impact zone? No, we're oh. out of the impact zone. We've been out of the yeah, impact been, zone since Hulk Hogan. Out of the, yeah, they've been out of the impact zone for a long time. Yeah, I don't even know where they tape right now. Either way, the Virtuosa is now on impact. Virtuoso Peraza, who was recently, you know, one of the people that was cut by WWE, mm-hmm. had a very, a very nice video package hyping and introducing her. Um, so hopefully she can make a, a great, a great uh, addition to that division. I'm just gonna go out and say it. TNA has, or I'm sorry, Impact has the best uh, women's roster right now. Hands up, hands down. I, I wouldn't go that far. However, I definitely do think that this is a very strong uh, knockouts roster. Almost all of the knockouts have something to do 
Um, if they're not fighting for the title, they're going at each other like uh, Kier and Tasha Steeles. Yeah. yeah. Kier and Tasha Steeles are picking on Susie and uh, and Kylie. You've got Kimberly and uh, Havoc, and Nevaeh just debuted to help out Havoc. You've got Taya, who's been kind of teasing a feud with Deanna on Twitter. And then you've got Tessa as the world champion. And then you've actually got the knockouts champion. So, I mean, as opposed to WWE, if you're not Charlotte Flair, we don't really care. It just, talent-wise, they might not have the greatest division, but they're actually utilizing their women to the fullest extent. And it's fantastic. Well, then you will understand what I'm about to say. But I think that the knockout division is better than the impact men's division. For sure. Well, yeah, for sure. And it, and it, it's always been one of the highlights of impact for me, you know, throughout the years, the knockout division. Yeah. The X division and the uh, knockouts division in 07, 08, 09 were literally the only reasons to watch impact. I mean, the tag division had its comes and going sometimes. True. And then, I mean, you did have a couple of heavyweights like Christian and Kurt and AJ, but... And the Hulkster. Don't forget the Hulkster. Yeah, like I said, Christian, Kurt, and AJ. Yeah, people not to forget Christian, Kurt, and AJ. Yeah. And the Hulkster. You can forget the Hulkster sometimes. I don't even know who he is. Slander. Some job, some job guy out of, out of South California. Probably a curtain jerker. <laughs> brother Jack T. Whatever. Well, work yourself into a shoot, brother. Like work work well, yourself into a shoot when you shoot yourself into a work, Marks. I am glad you guys <laughs> drank plenty of hair right this morning, this afternoon, evening, <laughs> or uh, whatever. Um, I don't even know what time of day it is anymore. It's, it's almost... It's almost uh, what do you call that? Um, it is almost Saturday. But, all right. So here's what uh, NXT Takeover looks like right now. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley versus Ia Shirai. Danny, are you going somewhere? I'm here. Or is that Eric? Nope. I'm sitting still, bro. I'm here. Uh, Somebody was moving. I was walking around a little bit, but... Uh, Okay. We can hear you moving around. That's a very uh, sensitive headphones you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, Shadow Flair versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. For the uh, NXT Women's Championship, Finn Balor versus Damian Priest, Adam Cole versus the Velveteen Dream, a last chance match uh, here for the NXT Championship. Uh, if Velveteen Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship while Cole is champ. Um, so a, a lot of Words there, so either Velveteen Dream wins the title or 
or he doesn't, but then that means Cole is moving up to the main roster sooner than later. Um, and then Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. So for the NXT North American Championship. Um, so did they make Johnny uh, Johnny take over or whatever they call it these days? Um, did they make him North American Johnny? Nah. I think that's Keith Lee's belt for right now. I mean, Johnny's already held that belt. You know, I mean, Johnny's yeah. a triple crown. You know, he's a triple crown winner. He's already held that belt. So I was surprised that it's going to be a one-on-one match for the belt and they're not doing like a mixed tag match with the ladies. Yeah, that, I, mean, I thought being that was seemingly what they're doing. Yeah, being right. that seemingly what the feud is. That it's, so does that mean like on the pre-show or on the, you know, they usually have one match that's filmed at TakeOver that isn't actually part of the TakeOver event that they show on like the... Uh, the following week's episode of NXT, maybe that's we get a one-on-one with Candice and and Mia. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I I could I could probably see where like the ladies maybe get involved in the match or post match, and maybe they have a mixed tag tag match uh, on on NXT on Wednesday night. Save it for TV, brother. It, you know, so I don't know. That's what I think. What do you think, Eric? Uh, I mean, I prefer him to keep the women away. Because, um, I mean, Candace's entire NXT career has been, hey, I'm Mrs. Johnny Wrestling. And now we've got um, Keith and Mia together on screen, so it's confirmed that they're a couple. And I would hate for Mia to just end up being Mrs. Keith Lee, because it seems like that's all that they can do with women in relationships, is make them a flunky for their significant other. And Mia's too talented for that. Candace is too talented for that. And I don't... I just wish that they would keep them as far away from each other as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I don't even want to see the mixed tag match, but I was expecting it to be what, what we would see. Uh, but yeah, uh, so surprisingly. So that's it. NXT TakeOver in your house. One week from Sunday, live on the WWE Network. You know, free for new subscribers, Nine ninety nine for anybody else that wants to pay for it. But- but apparently no Todd Pettengill. No, no Todd Pettengill and no – not that we know. Uh, yeah, they're definitely not giving a free house. They would have advertised now, that right now. Well, now, are they uh, – are we going to get the original In Your House set? Fingers crossed. You know, that would be cool. I mean, let's hope so. I mean, they have enough room there to put a little fake house. Uh if they're creative and they want to have fun with it, I would say at least give us that in your house set. That would be fun. That would be different. That would be interesting. I think that would definitely pop me. So, I know the three things. The the things to pop Patrick. And so he'll go ahead and add that to the show. 
uh, out of the three things that you you've asked, you've asked for Tom Pettengill, you asked for for a free house, and you're asking for the old set. I think of the three of them, the old set is the one that's the most possible. But you know, you never know. Maybe they still have. Maybe they don't know where it's at. Maybe they get rid of it, which would be a shame. What's the point of having the warehouse if you can't save the good sets? All right. Are we ready? Sure. I think we're ready. And we're on time. I don't think we're going to go three hours this time. Well, we do have so, an hour and a half to talk about Daniel Bryan, so we might go the three hours. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll spend most of the time talking about Bryan Danielson because that's where we are starting. Uh, of course, uh, back in the good old days of ROH, and, you know, of course, uh, they did announce, I think, before COVID that they were bringing back the Pure Championship. Uh, but for those uh, not so familiar, Danny, with the Pure Championship, please uh, uh, give everybody a little uh, introduction to what, uh, what it was and it meant uh, in uh, Ring of Honor back in the day. Well, it, it, was, it was a championship that was eventually – um, I mean, it, it, it comes to in our first match that, we'll, that we're talking about with Brian, but it was a championship that was contested under a different set of rules. Um, it was supposed to be, you know, ROH was the place where the premier wrestlers, not just not sports entertainers, not necessarily fighters or brawlers, but you also had the best wrestlers. So they created the pure championship, which, which kind of held – some nods to like world of sports style, um, you know, where, but they didn't, they didn't do the round system or anything like that, but they did hold more to, you know, striking to, you know, closed fist strikes are not allowed. And um, then they would hold to uh, disqualifications. You know, the title could change hands on a disqualification. One of the big things that a lot of people found interesting about it was, um, they had a rope break uh, maximum. Rule. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was a rule, and you could only use three rope breaks if you were in a submission or in a pin, um, and they would be deducted from you as the match went on. And once you ran out of rope breaks, you couldn't use that to get out of a hold anymore. It was, encur- it was an attempt to encourage you to wrestle your way out of a hold. Um, counters and reversals and... Uh, so many things like that. So if you were to, you know, you wouldn't get disqualified, but maybe you get caught using, um, you know, a closed fist, you could lose a rope break. And if you didn't have any more rope breaks to lose, then you could be disqualified. So it added a lot of unusual and interesting elements of, of rules into, um, into it. And you had people, Samoa Joe was a former champion. Jay Lethal was a former champion. Um, AJ Styles, uh, your first ever champion. Yeah, and then he kind of dropped it because of of political reasons. But um, then you had uh, John Walters as a champion. uh, And I I think, I want to say Alex Shelley was champion, but I can't remember. He just competed for it a lot. No. 
Alex Shelley right. lost to Doug Williams in the okay. uh, vacated tournament for it. In the vacated tournament, okay. Right. But so this was yeah. – I. so they were talking – yeah, Ring of Honor was talking about bringing this championship back because they have a lot of guys now who are into this kind of – almost like a throwback kind of style of pure wrestling. Um, yeah. And, yeah, before the COVID hit, they were they had announced a bunch of people for this tournament. You know, some people that are regulars with ROH, some people that – that aren't regulars with ROH, so it was it was kind of generating a lot of interest and buzz. But um, our first match of the night that was um, picked, uh, at least we're going chronologically, is a match with Nigel McGinnis, who was the pure champion at the time, in a championship versus championship match against Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, to those newer fans. Um mm-hmm. Where the ROH world would, champion? It was the ROH world champion. The winner would get both belts, and but the, the the key is that it was being contested under pure championship rules. Both of these guys had staked claims that they're the best wrestler in the world. Nigel said because he was the pure champion, it meant he was the best wrestler. And Brian Anderson said, "Well, I'm the ROH world champion, so that means I'm the best in the world." So these guys had had a series of matches. They had had two matches already. Um. Yeah. In in their respective championships, it was more than two. Is that what you're telling me, Eric? You, you huh? said no. No, I, no, I said yeah. No, okay, I, so I would yeah. so they, with you. Okay, gotcha. So they had multiple matches. This was the third in their series. The first match um, was under pure rules, and Brian Danielson got counted out. Nigel smashed him with a chair. Um, and Brian, when when Brian Danielson went for his big dive to the outside. Danielson couldn't get back in before the count of 20. Um, did Brian or uh, Nigel ended up losing a bid for the ROH World Championship. And so we're now one of one. There will only be one championship. Basically, the winner would be would be holding both belts. But basically, it was time that they felt for the pure title to just be absolved into the ROH World title. Um, they felt that the pure title had kind of run its course. So here we are. It was at this event called Unified. It was in Liverpool, England, you know, in Nigel's home country, um, in front of his home fans. He had held the pure title for, for a very long time. Um, and part of that was he was he'd held the pure title longer than Danielson had held the world title. So that's also part of Nigel saying he was the better wrestler because his title reign was, was longer at this kind yeah, of time. 350 days, I think. It's almost a year. Yeah, 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 but it but yeah. it was, yeah. So it was quite a long time, um, and we go to a. I mean, I I've kind of set up the match. I'll let uh, Eric tell us a little bit about his thoughts on the match first. So yeah, um, I picked Brian Danielson as my guy because uh, it was either going to be one of two people. It was either going to be CM Punk or Brian Danielson. And um, I've watched so much CM Punk over my lifetime that it would have all just been second nature to me. Um, so I picked I pick Brian because I haven't went back and watched a lot of his Ring of Honor stuff in about a year. So um, to me, Brian Danielson is the probably the best technical wrestler that I've ever seen. Um and I just wanted to relive some of his stuff. So I picked uh, Unified with his match with Nigel because it's 
it's probably my favorite Daniel or Brian Danielson match of all time uh, because it's probably in my top ten favorite matches of all times. I really love Nigel. I feel like Nigel has never ever gotten the credit that he deserves as a in ring performer. He was one of the best when when he made the claim that he was the best wrestler in the world. You could have made you could have made an argument for it because honestly he was. His lariats were beautiful. His Tower of London was beautiful. His London Calling was beautiful. Um, and I just really wanted to go back and watch this match for the first time in a couple of uh, years. So I did. <laughs> and um, I forgot how good this match was. Like, so many submissions, so many transition moves. They brawled on the outside. They brawled on the inside. They brawled. I think they even went in the crowd once. Um, Brian busted Nigel open on the turnbuckle, which, if I'm not mistaken, probably gave Nigel a concussion there because I think he was concussed in this match at some point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the Brian wins the belt. Um wins the match, and man, that that crowd was so split because, correct me if I'm wrong, Nigel was essentially the heel in this feud, right? I think so. I think Nigel was kind of the, the heel in the feud because he was kind of, throughout his pure title reign, he, he used some less than scrupulous means. You know, they were all within the rules of the pure title, but they were kind of very heelish in manner where he would kind of goad people into using rope breaks and then he would kind of cheat, you know, he would, he was allowed to kind of use things. So I think he was kind of the heel, but when you're in his home country, he's he's not going to be the heel. He's kind of the underdog going for the title. Yeah. Um, So this is one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, and I, I very am, I'm very glad that we decided to do this because I definitely loved this match. This was actually, out of our five, this was the last one that I watched just because I wanted it to sit in and just marinate in how good that this match was because you literally had two of the best of all time in Ring of Honor in the same ring. And the crowd was split, which is always fun because a split crowd is so much better than just, yay, this person, boo, this person. Like, a split crowd is going to be on fire the entire night. And they really were. Um, yeah, it was just great. I think the, I think Nigel's title reign was the longest. Uh, I think it was 350 days. And then... I think the aftermath of this match was um, Brian and Nigel in a two out of three falls match. And Brian, I think Brian, no, no, no. They ended it in a 60 minute draw. And then right. Brian gave it, it, was, the it, was, a, it was the best. It was the best two out of three years that ended in, in a no time limit. Yeah, but I think, yeah. And then Brian this gave him. Be the lo- this- this ultimately wouldn't be the last of their sing- of their singles matches because they basically also had their last ever Ring of Honor matches against each other too. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't be the last in this long time feud. No. Um, but it was 
yeah, it definitely was a memorable one. And it was, you know, like you mentioned, it was kind of a stepping stone for Nigel because the pure title was ultimately still seen as kind of a secondary title behind the world title. So although, you know, our Joe, after being a world champion, went on to win the pure title and, and you know, tried to help elevate that belt. Um, this was still kind of a, can Nigel be a top guy in Ring of Honor? This was kind of a, a match that tested him in that way. Um, and, you know, you put him in the best, with, you know, the arguably the best opponent he could have had, you know, in his hometown, like the crowd was going to go crazy for him. And yeah. Also, you add in the concussion. Some of Nigel's mat- best matches come from co- when he's when he has concussions. <laughs> um, but so to 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 put the focus back more on Danielson, who who of course is the one we're watching matches about, not Nigel. But um, so Brian Danielson to start this match was yeah. In as you mentioned in the feud, Nigel was kind of the heel, but in this match. Brian kind of played the heel more because he knew that he was at, although he had a lot of fans, you know, everywhere he went, he was in enemy territory, so to speak. So you yeah. see a different side of, of Brian as champion um, where he's kind of trying to, 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 to trash talk and, and, and kind of play, you know, and kind of piss off the crowd. Um, and, of course, still have his excellent technical wrestling, but he was still trying. He was trying to kind of do it in a, in a, in a, a piss poor attitude kind of way, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of the depth of the wrestler that Brian Danielson is, because I think we we picked a good five that showcases his whole talent and his range of as a performer. I agree with that. Absolutely, absolutely. I thought that this match was definitely special. Of course, you know, we have seen the first two matches, right? We have seen the first match, I think, at um, – I can't remember the name of that show. was that, that Weekend of Champions show uh, where uh, where uh, McGinn is using the, uh, uh, the pure rules. I was able to uh, come out – uh, victorious, but then you know they wrestled again, and Danielson gets gets the win in a non-title match. Uh, well, no, this was not a non-title match. Uh, the, the world title was defended, so yeah, it was nice to see that. Okay, finally, culmination. Let's put it all on the line, and then they come to Liverpool, and I think it was a big match. I mean, Liverpool, that crowd was. I mean, I, one thing I would say is. Uh, the UK crowds are probably my favorite crowds to watch. Um, and those uh, sometimes I will watch not on mute, uh, depending on who's doing commentary. Uh, because, yeah, they, go, they can go crazy sometimes, uh, a, a fun type of crazy. And uh, to start, before the match even started, let me just say, uh, seeing Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson at this time come out to a final countdown, which, you know, like, you know, you see in many shows these days, right? In the indie shows or the Lucia shows, somebody's using Final Countdown. Uh, but to see him uh, use that here, I thought it was fun and enjoyable. And I think that the, the fans were even singing along. But yeah, they went crazy for um, 
for McGinnis. Um, and uh, I, I don't remember. I mean, I know I know his uh, his theme song was uh, uh, known by people, but I, I don't know. I'm just not that good with all the music. Uh, but yeah, the, the the fans were definitely on uh, on their countryman side. Um, I, I thought that yeah, the match from the get go was going to be everything you expected it to be. Um, you know, with Daniel and his technical prowess. Uh, but man, you get Nigel, and of course he's got the size. He's got you know on on his side, so you know uh, he de- he definitely. Um, I think Daniel's always been good about knowing who his opponents are and focusing on the things that will help him and weaken his opponents. And of course, one of the things that you know that he that you know Nigel was good with was his arms. And what what did Daniel do? He focused on those arms. Um, I, I thought it was funny how quickly. Uh, Daniel got Nigel to use his first two uh, rope breaks, and as he kind of was mocking uh, Nigel because he knew that he still had his three available, to Nigel only having one, and then he quickly lost his two. Um, that that like that got me. I, I thought that that was that was funny. Uh, but yeah, I, these guys just went. Uh, you know, with the cattle mutilation, uh, they uh, going back to back and just trying to do everything to take each other out. Um, uh, you know, I thought, man, um, it was cool. And then, you know, usually when when an opponent has, uh, you know, when an you know when you have your opponent, you know, everybody's calling for you to tap, right? So here you got all the people of the UK asking, making sure that uh, Nigel doesn't tap. I thought that was funny. Um, I'm just trying to look over my notes here. Uh, but, yeah, man, tremendous match. I thought that the, the, the way that at the end, uh, De- you know, Daniel Bri- – Bri- I'm going to keep calling him that. Brian just kept going and, you know, all the headbutts – like the blood, I, I love it when you get some real good blood out. You know what I'm saying? If it's natural and you don't force it, man, uh, you can really see uh, those elbows. Uh, and those elbows at the end right there uh, were, were just a thing of beauty. You know, um, just to be able to just just see him just go down and down until eventually. Like I'm a big MMA fan, so I I, I I love a good beating. Be able to see just Daniel going going crazy on um on on Nigel at the end there, just the reference like this over. I mean Nigel's not getting out and he did not and here we got uh Brian Danielson and he, he's the one and only champion. Uh truly sure that he was uh, the best in the entire world. One yeah. quick note. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I love Brian, uh, cattle mutilation such a weak finish. But that's it's not, but you think about the, but it wasn't, but how many of his matches actually ended with the cattle mutilation though? Quite a lot. After, you know? 
Quite a lot, yeah. It, it, but he, yeah, as but... he became champion, he he developed multiple different ways that he could beat yeah. you. Yeah, right. And that's and the that thing, was right? A big thing yeah, with that's what I'm getting is that he, you know, that I think that when you go back, if you go back to everything, if you just don't count a certain person, just look at everything. I mean, he has. I mean, he he used it all the time. Yeah, he finished a lot of people, but. Over time, I think that he got past that. He, he, he you know, Dan Brand and Brian Daniels, he can finish you anyway. I'm just going to call him the, the dragon and try and that way I won't screw that up. There you go. Again, yeah. Yeah, it's just like I've always like watched the move and it just doesn't, it just literally looks like he's old, holding your arms and just flips. Like that's all it looks okay. like. And so and he's ripping how your shoulders apart, but. The big thing that, he, that he a lot of people hated about the move is you can't see anybody's face. Yeah. And in pro wrestling, like the figure four and moves like that, you want to see both guys' face so you can see the drama. But you can't really see that in the cattle mutilation. You can, you know, both guys' faces are obscured, but, you know. So I think that's where some of the way that a lot of people don't like it. So I, you can't I think get that drama of do. fighting and crawling and. Yeah, what what we need to do is the next time we get together, Danny, I'm going to suggest you put the cattle mutilation on uh, Eric, and then okay. we'll see how we the move is. Okay. If Eric's just uh, there, I actually giggling. in in my day in one of my handful of one of my very few wins, I actually won with that move. Cattle mutilation, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. So he knows how to do it. I know how to do it, and we used to we used to talk for a long time about whether the move was like shoot or whether it was it was uh, work because it's very very borderline. You know, you're you have to do it right to make sure you're not. But I can see where sometimes late in a match it looks like he's not really applying that much pressure. But the move itself basically tries to rip both of your shoulders out of your sockets at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Because your body's not meant to bend that way. But late in the match, I, I agree with you sometimes late in the match, it looks like he's kind of got it on kind of lazy. Um, I was just honestly glad when he moved to the LaBelle La lock and the – And before that, he moved to cross-face chicken cross wing. Cross-face chicken time. wing, yeah. And then he moved to the uh, – then he moved to the L- – you know, but he had – that's what I'm saying. He had several ways he could beat you. And one of the great things about this um, – was both guys had built up different moves that they could use to beat people with in like lesser title defenses to where Nigel had actually beaten um, Delirious, they said, with the cattle mutilation to spite Daniel Bryan. So that proved that he knew how to apply the move well enough to force a submission on somebody. So when Nigel put it on Bryan, it shows that he knows how to execute the move. Bryan had beaten... Uh, I want to say Sanjay Dutt and possibly also Chris Saban with the the elbow strikes, the MMA elbows as they were kind of known, um, to show you that that was a viable finish that he could potentially put away an opponent with them. It wasn't just a signature move that then people go, oh, that's how he wins, really? In a big match. Um, But it's just, I mean, we've spent almost a half an hour just talking about this match alone. I want to move quick to our next match because our next match was my choice for of the five. Um, okay. All right. So Manhattan, go ahead and 
lead us to from it. Manhattan. Yeah, from Manhattan Mayhem too. We're doing these in the chronological order. Also for Ring of Honor. Um, Takeshi Morishima was now Ring of Honor champion. Yeah. Uh, Brian had lost the belt to Homicide, who would then lose the belt very quickly to Takeshi Morishima as Brian had taken some time off um, mm-hmm. due to injury from his title reign. No. So here we have Manhattan Mayhem 2 in the Manhattan Center in New York, New York. Um, and an outstanding match that I absolutely love. Watched a bunch of times in my lifetime. And one of the things that, that helps to add the, the drama to this match is Brian actually gets severely injured very early on. Mm-hmm. Within the first couple minutes of the match, he takes an air, you know, uh, a shot to the side of the face, and it mm-hmm. breaks his orbital bone, which is right the bone right around your eye socket, and it actually yeah, attached he, his retina. Yeah. So he that was retina. within the first he, couple, couple minutes of the match, and he probably had a concussion. That was as well. crazy. And he so continued probably. to fight for another for another multiple, you know, for another probably twelve or fourteen minutes while still not being able to see out of that eye and in immense pain because he had a broken bone in his face, that Morishima was going to continue to hit. Okay, You're not going to tell a guy, stay off the right side of my face, stay off the right side of my face, because he's going to keep hitting you there. Okay, Morishima's a beast. He was was amazing in Ring of Honor as just this crusher, you know, who would just run through people. He had title defenses that were six minutes long against people all the way up and down the roster. Um, you know, some of his matches were 10 and 12 minutes, but on average, he kind of beat people in six to eight minutes. And, um, he always made them look good. Even in defeat, even in a quick defeat, he made his opponents look, look very credible and very strong. Um, this would, this is the first of what would be five singles matches between Morishima and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, um, in ring of honor before, uh, Morishima would go on back to Japan and eventually retire, and I believe he's come out of retirement now. Um, but outstanding match yeah. yet again in front of an amazing crowd. The crowd at the Manhattan Center is always fired up. They're always loud. They're always very energetic. And the big thing in Ring of Honor at the time was everybody wanted to be there live to see a title change. You wanted to be part of that history when that belt changed hands and say, said you were in the building. So people were always wanting to see that title change. And had he and, and Brian walks in attempting to be the first man to ever hold the Ring of Honor championship twice. At this point, nobody had done that yet. Um, I love this match. I love the entire series of matches between these two as it's a very David versus Goliath style, but with a lot of new you know, a, a lot of new elements to it. But yet again, we talk about Brian being in a different position. In the last match, he and, him and Nigel are much more um, evenly matched as far as their skill levels. But Nigel had a little bit of size, a little bit of power. and But Brian was kind of the, the aggressor. So here, he's obviously the underdog against somebody the size of Takeshi Morishima, who is 6'3", 300-plus pounds. Um and Brian being being you know his little bit smaller self, and um, and also the fact that he was literally fighting from underneath because he was actually injured um, during this match. Uh, mm-hmm. Just 
a brutal contest. I absolutely love it. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Well, I thought I thought it was crazy that after the right after being injured, that it's not only amazing that he continued on the match, but he took most of the beating from uh, Morishima after the injury. Uh, before the injury, of course, again, I said this about Brian and, you know, Nigel, with, you know, focusing on the arms. Here, he knows he's got this freaking 300-pound monster in front of him who's about to basically just smash him like he smashed the rest of the competition. Because uh, Morishima, like you said, he had a, a really good uh, run uh, with title defenses. I think he defeated Aries and uh, Jay Briscoe, uh, Strong, and I can't remember a few other matches he had. Albright uh, and he, Stevens, yeah. and he just was crushing yeah, he, everybody. He went through all of them. Yeah, he basically was going through the whole ro- roster. Um, uh, but in here, uh, he's got Brian and <laughs> excuse me, uh, Brian. Uh, you know, starts trying to look up at the beginning, and they just starts kicking his legs. And I think that was uh, his best shot was trying to go at the legs. It looked like at first it was working, but then you know, uh, Morishima just uh, put a stop to that, and then. Just start beating the crap out of uh, out of Brian, and of course this crowd was perfect for it. They were all about it. They just could not, you know. They were going crazy the whole match. I actually put my wife through this match. She was watching this match with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was grinning a lot. Uh, you know, she knows Daniel Bryan, and uh, you know. But then seeing a guy like Morishima just basically run over Brian, it, it was a different look for her. Uh, but, man, uh, just the David and Goliath thing, you know. Um, Brian, you, you know, no matter what position he's in, he just shows why he's the best. And, you know, he would not give up. And no matter what, he would not, and uh, it just uh, it, I thought that the uh, backdrop uh, at the end to finish it, I don't, you know, I wasn't necessarily loved the way that ended, but man, it, leading to that, that sequence right at the end, um, you know, I guess we did get the cat of mutilation, which of course we knew wasn't going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I thought that uh, I was surprised that he even got to to, to get to that. <coughs> uh, but uh, yeah, lead, leading up to that, you know, that finishing sequence, you know, with you know, Daniel getting him, trying to get him down, but then just uh, we just, just when you think Dan, you know, Brian, you know, has got a chance, and you know, he like he's like. All like let's go, and then just Morishima just like nope, and then beats the crap of him again, and um, after Larry, a couple then, uh, closes, yeah, yeah after uh, almost finishing him, he continues to kick out. Then the backdrop driver, and boom, twenty minutes, the match is over, and uh, that that was a that was a, a great pick, Danny. I loved it. It was great. And uh, even though even though Brian lost this match, uh, I think he was 
the real winner because that only made his status even better uh, at at that point. It, sh it showed the greatness of Daniel of Brian Daniels, the American Dragon. Yeah, so it was fantastic to start this match off with a chant that I haven't heard in so long, but I love it to its core. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in. It is literally one of my favorite chants of all time. Um, it just proves how much of a badass Brian actually was. Is um, Yeah, so... The whole Yakuza kick in the corner, the broken orbital bone was fantastic. Um, one thing that I did absolutely love about the commentary on this match was they put over Brian's small package. Um, Brian won a lot of matches in Ring of Honor with a small package because of, quote, how tight he put it on. Um, and I love that they actually gave that a shout-out because – I do remember a lot of matches being won with um, the roll-up. Uh, Brian worked on the legs of the bigger man like you like you should. Um, I remember one spot in particular that um, Morishima was going to go for his uh, what is it the the butt bump? What do they call it the the butt butt, butt. butt. yeah like yeah the butt butt King Kong Parsons yeah the butt butt. And Brian just literally kicks his leg out from under him while he's trying to do the butt butt. And, um, yeah, it just, it, this was a hard hitting match, which if you didn't know anything about Takeshi Morishima, you know, it's going to be a hard hitting match. Um, the backdrop driver is one of my favorite finishers that I've seen. Um, Brian was over like Rover. Like he always face or heel. Brian was over in Ring of Honor, and I'm sure he could go back today and be the most over person in that company. Um, we got to see him hit the twenty stomps, which I always love because they always look so. Are they actually hitting? Are they not actually hitting? Like it, it's just, I don't know. I, I love. I loved this match. This was actually going to be one of the three matches that I had to try to choose between. Luckily, all three of the matches got picked. Um, Morshima with the backdrop driver, you know, after a hard lariat. Fantastic match. Um, what was great, though, um, at the end of the match, after Morishima left, the entire crowd was chanting best in the world at Brian. And it's hard to argue that in 2007, he wasn't the best in the world. I mean, a very, very hard-hitting match, as, as all five in this series would be. Um, next, we move on to uh, our third match where this is from I'm going to probably butcher the name it's in Spanish I'll ask Patrick to uh there's a Spanish or maybe even French I don't know it's not uh, Spanish but yeah it's Guerrero so Frontiers uh okay. I think it's it's supposed to be war, war without, without borders war without, without borders. borders 
Yeah, so it's probably I think it's French word, then maybe. Yeah, it is yeah. French. It definitely yeah. Um, yeah, um so it's P- and for Pro Wrestling Gorilla, this is uh Brian Danielson versus Chris Hero. Now Brian yeah, Danielson and this was my on pick. his Yes, this was no, this was um was this your yeah, this was your pick. This yeah. was Patrick's pick. Okay. Um so I'll let I'll preface it a little bit and then I'll let Patrick tell his his deeper thoughts. But um so Brian Danielson was on his his basically his farewell to the Indies tour. He was calling it the final countdown tour, and he was going, you know, he did a lot of shows in Ring of Honor at uh Ring of Honor's big usual cities, New York, Chicago, Philly, etc. And he was going around to a lot of promotions that he had done a lot of work with and was kind of giving them one last big match. Chris Hero was the pro wrestling gorilla champion at the time. Brian Danielson was getting a shot. They spoke of what the, we know Brian's gone after this. He signed with World Wrestling Entertainment. You know, very shortly he'll have to uh, re- report there. What happens if he gets injured in this match? What happens if he wins the belt? Does he is he going to take the belt to to WWE? Um, you know, the NXT wasn't really a thing at the time in its current incarnation. So it wasn't, he's going straight to NXT. Um, so there was a lot of what ifs put forth by the commentary team. You know, if, if Danielson gets injured, is it possibility he loses the WWE contract? You know, Chris Hero is a very big man, a very dangerous striker. Chris Hero had said for weeks and weeks leading up to this match that he didn't just want to beat Brian Danielson. He wanted to, Concussed Brian Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Patrick, this is your pick for our um our five matches of Brian. Go ahead and give a little bit of, of, of your thoughts and why you like this match so much. Yeah. So uh I think that this there could be a debate uh on exactly which Brian Danielson versus Chris Hero match was the best. Uh, I think that some people look at their uh, Ring of Honor matches uh, as uh, some uh, better matches that may have been well-liked. I think uh, they wrestled once uh, in WXW. Uh, that was a pretty good match. This was also, of course, the second time they would wrestle the PWG. Uh, as I believe they wrestled before um, at, a, at a BOLA. But so they've had several matches, uh, but I thought this match was special because it was his last match uh, in the Indies. Uh, and, of course, he went back to the Indies for a brief time between WWE runs. But I definitely thought there was something special about this one because, you know, everyone, of course, expected him, like we always expect, the champion to retain because – the guy leaving is not going to win the championship. That just doesn't happen. Uh, it's like against the law, right? Uh, and, you know, it's it's, it's PWG, and there's something about the receded crowd that always sort of excited me. Uh, I, I feel like the new venue they're in is not as cool, as special as, as uh, the old uh, armory or whatever it was. The FW Hall, yeah. yeah. It definitely but, the new venue definitely doesn't feel the same. No. So I thought that yeah, for those various reasons, I, you know, just this match 
was a good pick for me. Uh, I mean, but then again, we couldn't have gone wrong with any. I knew it wanted to be a Chris Hero match. I knew that I, that's what I wanted going in. And then I did debate this be- between this and then the WXW match. And uh, I think uh, his uh, the their, uh, one of their ROH matches, I think, that they, they wrestled earlier that year. They had just wrestled not long before this uh, in Ring Water. But I decided to go with this one. Uh, from the get-go, I think uh, the technical prowess of the two really showed, and I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, I, I I love to see technical wrestling. Uh, I enjoy it, and when people know how to do it. I, I don't enjoy it when people don't know what they're doing. If, if you don't know what you're doing, I can tell. Not because I'm technically proud, but I'm sorry. If it's not captivating and it doesn't keep you excited and suspenseful, you're not doing it right. You know, something's wrong. And these two guys would be good. Now, do I feel like for slightly a few minutes there, here, there, maybe they coasted or it just uh, maybe, but you know, look. Brian Danielson will do whatever, okay? We've already t- in the first match, he was most likely concussed. In the second match, uh, you know, he would you know he had a torn retina. In this match, bleeding again. He got big cut, you know, when he went from the top rope out to the outside and hero uh blocked it and yeah, it was so exciting. And then at the end, uh, you know, just you know, with the Amber, the way that he, you know, I just didn't think that, <coughs> excuse me, I just did not think Hero was going to tap out. Just the ending sequence. And I think that's what, something else that I really enjoy about Brian Danielson uh, is those ending sequences that lead up to the mat, to the end, aren't always the same, but they're always exciting. And they're always like, you know, when the, sh- when the match is going to, you never know when the match is actually going to end. But you know that when it ends, it's a it, it's in a very fun and entertaining sequence. And to me, the ending sequence here, you know, was tremendous. Uh, of course, Brian Danielson winning the uh, PWG championship, uh, then going and then of course vacating the title. Um, apparently, he did a really good. Uh, he he had a really good speech that to this day I have not tried to go back and find. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he went on to vacate the title, and later that year, uh, Kenny Omega wins the Peter Lee Championship at Bola, defeating Roderick Strong, I think. Uh, but yeah, so uh, very fun match. Uh, two of the best. In the world, two of the best in the world 11 years ago, two in the world, two of the best in the world today. Um, still, so a shame I didn't get to see them go one on one, uh, in the Fed. Uh, but never say never, uh, they will meet again, I believe. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I gotta say about that. Um, so. This is the first PWG event that I ever saw. Um, I was on I think Smart Mark Video, 
is where you where I used to get my PWG. I'm not sure if that if that was right. It might have been high spots. Actually, I think it was high spots. Um, and I literally bought this DVD specifically for this match. Um, I think in 2010 I was on a bit of a hero kick, which you should be because Chris Heroes hasn't changed hasn't changed much. You're kind of yeah, it hasn't changed kick. much. Yeah, I'm always on a hero kick um, because. Hero and Brian Danielson are two of my favorites. Um, so obviously the main event is Brian versus Chris. So let's let's buy the DVD. Um, one of my favorite things is just at just right at the beginning, like Brian just walked around ringside slowly, took his time, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, basically. Um, he knew that he was leaving. The crowd knew he was leaving, and they all wanted to show their appreciation. Um, one thing I did notice, I don't know if either of you noticed, did y'all see how loose those ropes were? Yeah, they were kind of scary loose, especially like given the history of, of high flyers in PWG. So I was a little shocked by that too. When they went yeah. up to do like a superplex and they were like, whoa, sank down. I was like, whoa, some loose ropes. Yeah, because I, th- I think intermission or something. Yeah, for sure. Because Amdrag hit um, hit like the top rope regalplex, and I've seen this match at least fifteen times. And every time I see it, I'm like, "Oh God, it's gonna kill him! Oh God, it's they're gonna, gonna kill break! Him. They're gonna break the ropes, and they're both gonna fall and die!" Oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh. And then the the top rope dive to the outside where Hero just lops him with a chair. Uh, Fantastic. Basically throws the chair in his face on the way down. Yeah. And I loved, like, for the rest of the match, all you could hear Hero do was, bleed! Bleed! Like, all he cared about was just getting Brian to bleed his, all of his blood trying out. trying to hurt him. Um, yeah. Um, and we got, to see, we got to see all the moves. We got to see Hero's Welcome, Hangman's Clutch, uh, the Roaring Elbow, the Knockout Elbows, Cattle Mutilations, like, all of it. Like, uh, it was such a fantastic match. Um, and then, yeah, Brian wins with... He swans. With, yeah, he wins the swan song with the crossface chicken wing, just like we were mentioning earlier. No, it wasn't um, the crossface chicken wing. It was, it was like a weird lock. variation. Okay, it yeah, was it was the bell weird. lock, and yeah. then he rolled back. He was still trying to perfect the maneuver, and Chris yeah. was trying to like get out of the move, rolled back, and pushed Daniel down, but it was a bell lock. Because okay. he, had the, he had the omoplata on. Okay, I, I, I for some reason I thought it was like a weird cat, uh, not cattle mutilation, a weird like crossface chicken wing. But now that you say it was a label lock, it okay, I can see that now. Um, and that crowd popped so hard, went when crazy Brian, when Daniel won. When, yeah. when he won that, I mean, I swear to God, you would think that they were at WrestleMania. Like that yeah. crowd of like 200 in Reseda, like the roof blew off. Um, but as as great as as great of a moment as it was for Brian, I also think this was kind of like a, a passing of the torch of sorts to Chris because at this point in time, Hero was was getting was gaining a lot of notoriety. He wasn't at the top of the indies like we know him as for a few years ago, but he was, he was getting there. And I feel like 
this was Brian's way of saying, hey, this is the next guy. Um, and he, he wasn't wrong if, if that was what was happening. And that's, that's how I felt it. Um, so since, since you said you haven't seen the, um, the promo afterwards, it, it was a little long. Um, yeah, uh, he was a little long winded. Yeah. He basically, everybody came to the ring to congratulate him and he pretty much tells the crowd, you know, Hey, I don't work here anymore. I, I have a contract and I have to vacate this title. And then he literally goes around to every single person in the ring and is like, maybe I should give the title to this person. Maybe I should give the title to this person. <laughs> and like the crowd, like, yay, boo, yay. But my favorite pop was when he was like, maybe I should give the title to Candace. And Candace LeRae was just like sitting on the, the, the mat and was just like, no, thank you. Don't want it. No, thanks. Meanwhile, the crowd's just like popping hardcore with it. Um, yeah. And then they started like a Candace chant. Um, my favorite part of the promo was right after he wins, Paul London rushes the ring and gives him a dolphin balloon, which um, there's there's thing there's a thing there because London and Brian had a tag team. I think it was in um, PWG and Chikara uh, called the Hybrid Dolphins. Um so yeah, um, and I think this led to the to the Battle of Los Angeles tournament for the belt later that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. This was, yeah, that's yeah, where the cleaner won the championship. Yeah. yeah. Um. All in all, this, so this was yeah. This was the third match that I was going to potentially pick. <laughs> um. So luckily, all three of my matches got picked. Um. Highly, 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 not only just this match, highly recommend this entire show. Like I said, the first PWG show I've ever watched. Uh, it's still near and dear to me. Um, yeah, absolutely love this match. Absolutely love it. I mean, it's yet again, you see a little bit of the dif- the diversity of, of Brian's style because – there's there's a lot of technical going on very early on, and then after Daniel starts bleeding by the chair shot, he's fighting from underneath and fighting from underneath, and there's big points where he's building up and setting up spots, and, and you start to see why one of the things that makes him so good is all the things he does in between the moves as well to help establish them, to set them up, to set up sequences, like fighting for the, the, super, the ability to back superplex. At one point, he charges up like four different times and gets fought and knocked back before he finally hits the suplex. And so it makes that suplex seem like it's a lot more devastating. It makes that spot seem like it's, it's that much more crucial and a possible win. Um, So just a lot of great things. And yet again, I I do kind of see that as, as Daniel possibly saying, yeah, Chris hero could be the next guy, especially for PWG at the time. Um, you know, and maybe the next the next big guy on the scene, um, but just, I mean, I you guys have already said more than more than I can say, but um, about this match. So Brian goes on to join WWE. He goes on to get fired from WWE <laughs> and come back to WWE. Um, 
he goes to the world championship. He, yeah, he he wins the world championship uh, against the Big Show, only to lose it in 18 seconds. So she uh, about that, that, that was yeah. the dark. That was the dark period. We don't talk about that. Yeah, they, 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 he fails to uh, retain the to regain the title when he in his rematch. Uh, the Nick the following month against uh, Sheamus, against Sheamus uh, in whatever the name of that. Yeah, and but then the ne- yeah, but then the next night, that uh, now Daniel not can call him Daniel Bryan or by calling Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan uh, competed in a beat the clock challenge uh, and uh, <laughs> defeated Jerry Lawler of all people. Um, mm. To uh, to win the challenge, became the number one contender, I guess, for the uh, WWE Championship, and that leads us to no limit. No, no, that's the soldiers over the limit. Uh, uh, over the limit, uh, which was uh, held with ten days uh, eight years ago. Something I think it was 2012, uh, and we had CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan. Dan- yeah, I guess is the right name. See, I'm gonna get the wrong name. Of course, these two, no strangers to each other, uh, they've wrestled each other uh, many times before uh, and know each other very well. But here we are, over the limit, uh, and man. This match did not disappoint at all. I think uh, if if any match, if any, and that's and that's why I was like, I was kind of not sure what match to pick, and I was like, man, when we were all talking about a match to pick together, uh, I think that this this was the right choice if we're gonna pick uh, a match because I I felt like man, this, this there's some guys really. Pushed Brian and I think CM Punk pushed him in the league, and that ending at the end was pretty uh, spectacular. So we, so the match is, is CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan in what I felt was at especially at the time was about as close to an ROH style match that you would have in main WWE. We've now seen that come a lot more frequently because these two kind of broke the barrier for smaller guys who, yeah. who weren't, you know, luchadors who weren't technical, you know, high flyer masterpieces. They were guys who just, who could wrestle great, but they just weren't the, you know, they weren't Batista size. They weren't Hulk Hogan size. They weren't, you know, the bigger guys. So in the modern era, these two are the ones that broke the barrier down. I think this match probably had a lot to do with it because, as I said, it was more of an ROH-style match, but you still had some of the WWE flair, the bigger entrances, you know, some of the spectacle aspect that comes in the sports entertainment world. Um, but it was a, a fantastic match. It's actually a great wrestling match where they did a lot of technical wrestling, a lot more than you see in most WWE stuff. Um, and the finish comes when it's uh, Brian is, has the LaBelle lock on, and he is, and CM Punk rolls backwards and actually pins Brian shoulders to the mat one two three, and immediately after the pinfall, Brian still has the submission move on. So CM Punk taps, 
to get him to let go of the move. So there was a little bit of controversy that led to rematches because Brian says, yes, you tapped. And Punk says, well, I tapped, but it was after the three count. So I still beat you. Um, but CM Punk on his on his title reign, you know, into the heading to the 430. Well, no, was this part of his 434 reign or yep. was this his yep. earlier reign? So this was in the midst of his record-breaking, uh, you know, longest reigning champion of the modern era. Yep. Uh, 434-day title reign. Um, and he successfully retains against uh, Daniel Bryan in, yet again, a, a really good match. But putting Bryan in a different position is Bryan was kind of the – there wasn't really a heel-face dynamic in this match. They kind of no, went in as a, you know, I respect you as a champion. Uh, but they were both kind of fan favorites at the time. So – it you know not something you see nearly as much in WWE as there's usually the, the typical good guy bad guy dynamic um, versus as opposed to two good guys for the title. Um, so I think that kind of sets some precedent as well. Um, just uh, yet again an outstanding match by by two of the best in the world. Um. So before I get into what's great about this match, there is uh, one thing I would like to nitpick. Um, Brian did not sell his leg. Um, Punk had worked his leg over for a lot of the match. Um, and then Brian starts throwing kicks with it, flips with it, all that kind of jazz. Um, like I said, minor nitpick, but that's WWE style, though. Yeah, it's that's WWE. WWE you don't, that's the WWE you don't aspect. sell. Yeah. Once it's time for your comeback, you the adrenaline takes over and your body part no longer hurts. Right. And like I said, super small nitpick. It, I just caught on to it and was like, I got to mention it. It didn't really bother me one way or another, one way or another. But um, did did either of you watch the the pre match promo that Punk got? With Pettengill? No. Not Pettengill. God, he's on my Gresham. Um, so Gresham cuts a promo with Punk and was like, if you cut, if you asked Vince McMahon five years ago if who would be – or if you told Vince McMahon five years ago that the main event of the pay-per-view would be CM Punk versus Brian, or Daniel Bryan for the WWE title, he would say two things. Who the hell are they? And – what the hell are they doing on my show? Um, which is very prevalent because at the time that would have been 2006, 2007-ish, and I'm sure Vince really didn't have any idea who CM Punk was. Um, he probably, I mean, obviously he was signed to the company, but obviously, I mean, you never know. Um, and Brian had been there with a previous stint, but... Who knows if he even knew who Brian was at the point at that point? Um, but I, I just thought that, that was funny, and then it it introduced a larger audience to AJ Lee. Um, she came up to Punk and was like, "This is going to be a very interesting match," and then just stared Basically at Punk, checking like, him out. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Out. Um, this is right after Brian and AJ had broke up, so. There's a little bit of there was a little bit of uh, tension there. Um, and you go to the match. Match was 
everything you would expect from Brian Danielson versus CM Punk. Um, I, you say that it was the face-face dynamic, but and it was, but I feel like it was the crowd that made it a face-face dynamic because going into this, Brian, for all intents and purposes, were supposed to be heels, or was supposed to be a heel because he had, quote-unquote, abused AJ. He had done all of this bad, dastardly stuff but the crowd was just so into him after what happened to him at WrestleMania that that's where the quote unquote yes movement started. Um, so the crowd, let's go see, uh, let's go Brian, let's go punk. I love it. I love a split crowd. I already said that. Um, you love it so much. You said it exactly. Um, I did love the ending with the, the pin, the yes lock, the oh, he tapped about a half a second after I counted three. Obviously, the feud wasn't over because this is where we're going into the summer of punk, the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, summer of punk part two. Um, part and two. then, exactly. And then, this is, the, this is the last, it was the first match of the, the series, but it was the last match that was just a pure wrestling match. Because then after this match, you get AJ introduced into the feud. And then Kane comes into the feud. And then Mm -hmm. it just gets so convoluted. And somehow Cena gets in the feud. And it it was just a nightmare. Um, Cena got in the feud because he won Money in the Bank. No, he didn't win Money in the Bank for a couple years. Cena got in the feud... No, Cena won it because he won Money in the Bank and he tried to challenge Punk. He said, I'm doing it in two weeks. And everybody was like, what do you mean? You're just calling your shot like that? You're not running down or anything? And then it ended up being a double pin. And so Cena was the first guy to not, ca- to not cash in successfully. That was that was later on because 12 was when Dolph was the, had the Money in the Bank briefcase. No, no, no. He, he, so uh, John Cena won Money in the Bank. At that year, Money in the Bank, because that's when uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan had their very last one-on-one match, uh, was the non-DQ match. Uh, but the main event was the Money in the Bank ladder match that John Cena won. There were two Money in the Bank okay. ladder matches. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So Dolph yeah. did have one, but he was go- Dolph was going for the SmackDown. And, and then the Raw and- one was, okay, I remember, because they made the Raw... Uh, Money in the Bank match, former yeah. champions. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I forgot there used to be two men's Money in the Bank matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay. And then that's where Cena got in the feud. And then yeah. somehow AJ hooked up with Cena. And then it turned into AJ and Dolph. And it, it got very convoluted yeah. there for a while. Um, yeah. But back to this. Well, yeah. Back to this. Fantastic match. Um, Punk and Daniel Bryan are two of my top five wrestlers of all time. Um, So I'm glad that this match made it onto the list. Um, Not really much else to say about it. It was just a great match. Even with WWE moniker, it really did seem to me like a Ring of Honor match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did really, and I think you brought a lot of great points because this is really, I think these are the two guys that, in my opinion, should get all the credit for elevating the little guy in WWE. Um, 
because until this, it was all big monsters, right? And big, all these big guys, larger than life personas. Well, I think CM Punk and then Brian showed uh, that they could be larger than life uh, with their talent. And this uh, this summer feud, you know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, boo, he lost the championship at WrestleMania in 18 seconds. But I think that that elevated him because he he and CM Punk were able to just have a fantastic summer of uh, matches, uh, uh, just uh, a very good feud. And then, of course, I think Team Hell No did a lot for Daniel Bryan, maybe in Vince's eyes, you know, uh, because I don't know, for some reason, you got to get over with Vince in a comedy way before he elevates you. Yeah, you got to uh, show him that you can be an entertainer, not just yeah. a wrestler. Yeah. So I think I think that man, I think in, even though you know Cena then came into the in, into the feuding with CM Punk, the whole thing you know I think Team Hell No. I mean, the Yes movement was already in full effect at this point, but then we go a year later <laughs> when it, the summer. Uh, of 2013, people were going crazy for Daniel Bryan. You know, I mean, we were looking at CM, I'm not CM Punk, at John Cena, I think, versus Randy Orton for the championship. And, you know, who's going to face Randy Orton? And then you got all these wrestlers. And what is the crowd doing on Monday Night Raw? Cheering for for, uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, I thought that that, that's, that's still one of the most monumental segments in his early career because he had to be acknowledged over and over again by the wrestlers and even Vince, you know, so the crowd would be quiet. And um, and then, of course, going into WrestleMania 30, uh, which is the next match we're going to talk about, it's just, you know, him and then, uh, you know, not do, not winning the Rumble and then, you know, Triple H, you know, not give him, not give me a chance. Stephanie called him a B plus player, um, and then time and time again, just him try to overcome the odds at WrestleMania 30, defeating Triple H to even have a shot at being on the on the main event with Batista and Randy Orton. Uh, it, it was just, I think, uh, a blessing in disguise. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. So here we go. WrestleMania uh, 28, uh, where he lost the championship in 18 seconds. Now, WrestleMania 30 in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Make sure I don't call it the Silverdome. Where, um, you know, he he basically had the biggest moment of his WWE career. Possibly, uh, and that's where we are now. Daniel Bryan versus Batista versus Randy Orton for the WWE and, and heavyweight and world championships, or whatever they called them. So they were both belts. Yeah, one was the world championship and one was the heavyweight belt. Um, but yeah, so we get WrestleMania 30. It was the culmination of many, many years, basically, of 
Daniel Bryan starting to go up the ladder and then getting kicked down again, starting to go up the ladder and getting kicked down again, starting to go up the ladder and getting kicked down again. And this was the time where, you know, they couldn't deny him. And that ultimately became the story is that you couldn't deny Daniel Bryan. He was just so good. He was going to get where he wanted to be um, and where the fans wanted to be. And that was at the top. And he had held the world championship. He had held, you know, the U.S. championship, tag team championship, but he'd never been the guy. So here was he was fighting to be the guy. Um, so we see Daniel Bryan as, you know, the ultimate underdog um, in this matchup. Yet again, another facet of his of his persona and of his career um, being the the guy fighting from underneath against not just wrestlers, but against the system that didn't want him up top. You know, this is when you had Stephanie and Triple H as the authority, and they didn't want Daniel Bryan. So they were trying to put all these roadblocks in his way that he couldn't, he couldn't, and he wasn't going to be in WrestleMania. He wasn't going to be fighting for the championship. Um, so that's why he had to fight Triple H first. And after the match, Daniel Bryan wins, but Triple H gets the last laugh as he tries to injure Daniel Bryan's shoulder leading into the match. So Bryan would come in with, with all this heavy shoulder wrap tape across his, his left shoulder. Um, and being now that it was the main event of WrestleMania was a triple threat match. That meant that there were no count outs and no disqualifications. Um, so we saw a whole host of shenanigans with uh, referees getting bumped and the different referee coming out and triple H coming out and Stephanie coming out. And, um, as well as Batista and Orton working together to try and eliminate Daniel Bryan from the equation um, because they, of course, are protégés of Triple H having going back to the days of evolution. Um, so they were wanting to do Triple H's bidding and make sure that it wasn't going to be Daniel Bryan that, didn't, that won because Daniel Bryan didn't belong to be in the same spot that they did. Um, Daniel takes a lot of nasty, nasty bumps in this, including that the table spot where it was the Batista bomb slash RKO neck breaker. Um, Randy ended up almost getting the worst of that as he landed on a TV monitor that had not been removed from the table. If you want to know why they removed the table monitors first, that's why, because you can land on them and they have no give and they will hurt. And they will, Randy got his back all cut up and for the rest of the match was kept, hold, kept going and holding his back because it was bothering him so bad. Um, Outstanding match, but the biggest thing, of course, is the victory and the moment afterwards of Daniel Bryan holding up both belts as confetti rained and 70-plus thousand people chanted yes for what felt like 20 minutes after the match. Um, but it was just the culmination of, of a lifetime's worth of work for Daniel Bryan to finally be at the top of, of his chosen profession, to finally be the man and the guy and hold – you know, the the main event win of WrestleMania in front of, you know, at the time, the record crowd in uh, in New Orleans. Just great, a fun match, but ultimately it, it's for the great moment when he does finally get that win and holds up both belts and and is able to celebrate with some of his family there as well as, as uh, you know, a lot of friends and, and coworkers and stuff who'd seen him throughout the years. Yeah, um, I going into this WrestleMania, the build was there for Brian. Um, it's not very often that WWE gets the main event, quote unquote, right 
in um, the fans' eyes, but I feel like WrestleMania 30 definitely got it. Um, Brian Orton and Batista put on a great match, which is shocking because that's not something I ever say about Orton or Batista. Um, it was a great hard-fought battle. You know, Brian had just got done with Triple H about two hours before. Um, and then after the match, Triple H attacked him with a chair. So obviously he's weak. Um, he comes in. I think they Batista bomb him through the table. Batista bomb RKO him through the table, uh, which was a, actually a cool spot. Um, and then they they proceed to fight for the while. And then Brian comes back, you know, running knee. Like, yes, lock. The, uh, he, Brian fights off of the uh, table that was trying to yeah. take him away on the stretcher. He fights off the stretcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome, too. I love spots like that. I don't know why, but I do. Um, and then he gets Batista to tap to the to the yes lock. And I, I think one of the things that will always ring when I think of that moment is King, his commentary that WrestleMania has just become Yeslemania. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to lie here. Um, teared up a little bit. Uh, when Brian won that title for the first time, or not the first time, but, you know, it's always great to see somebody that you've supported for 10-plus years culminate his dream and win on the biggest stage that he could possibly win on, get what you feel that he's rightfully deserved for years. Um, it was that way with Punk. It's that way with Brian. Um it was fantastic, and it sucks that his reign got cut short. I because I feel I feel like he would have been a really great underdog champion for a good six seven months at least. Um, but yeah, great match. Yeah, th this was definitely for me a very emotional match. Um, I I thought that to me it it meant so much to get to this point because he was the one that that people didn't believe he could be. I mean, I mean we're talking had Brian retired uh, four years before this. Let's just say his WWE run had not existed after he got fired after the Nexus angle, let's say he retired right then and there, we're still looking at one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestler in the world. And that says a lot. His career was monumental up to the point before he even joined the WWE. And his resume was spoken for. Uh, and without the WWE, he's already a shoe-in for the uh, – for that pro wrestling hall of fame, uh, uh, the, uh, in, I think it's in Iowa. I can't remember. Uh, so really this run right here, this whole thing in the league, just not, not only did it cement his legacy, but just it employed just truly show that he's really the best, uh, in the, in, in the world. Uh, and the fact that he was able to prove, to everyone, even Vincent Man, that he could do it. Because I think that's the biggest thing is that he knew he was the best. But the fact that 
Vince McMahon didn't see it, uh, and he made a believer out of Vince because Vince would just put anybody in that position, set something. And I think that this is truly uh, the best way. Now, even thankfully, we know, of course, that it didn't end there. But had it ended there, it still would have been a fascinating story. Uh, but it didn't. He went on to win the Intercontinental Championship, retire, having to retire, and then finally come back to wrestling again at uh, WrestleMania 34. Eric and I were there live for his first match back, and yeah. it, it was a very emotional one. Um, you know, uh, the, so was it here in my maybe? Um, but yeah, it, it was a fantastic run. It still is right now. Daniel Bryan is still, you know, having great matches, and uh, you can never count out uh, the American Dragon. Uh, you know, will, when will he call it a career? Could it be after his last when his contract is up? You know, I mean, it, it's possible. You know, you know, his second child's on the way. You know, probably won't stay home more. Uh, not do that grueling schedule. Uh, maybe we just be on a even part-time schedule. Uh, whatever the, I think that we'll always go back and see that the legacy of uh, Brian Daniel, Daniel Bryan, the American Dragon, uh, is one that will uh, live forever, uh, and probably will never be duplicated because there's only one. American Dragon. Uh, so I, I think I want to start with, this, with with the great here. We're going to grade this uh, five matches. And I think to the surprise of absolutely no one, uh, Daniel Bryan gets an A++ from me on this one. Daniel Bryan absolutely gets an A. And we chose, you know, five of his best matches, but also matches that showed different points in his career, uh, his versatility as a wrestler, as a performer, both being, you know, good guy, bad guy, being on the top, fighting from underneath. Um, so I think this is a great, a great selection that encompasses everything he can do, you know, and I mean, he still can do a whole lot more than what we would be able to talk about in just a matter of a few hours. Yeah, I think I got to say I give the B-plus player an A-plus, 100 A-plus. He aced the test. Uh, this was a fantastic watch. Uh, I think I tweeted out the other day. Um, today was my third time watching all – oh, sorry, guys. Oh, God, didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> today was my third time watching all five of these matches through since Sunday. So uh, – I, I really enjoyed our homework this week. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, this is a pleasure to to uh, talk about. And uh, next week, uh, we have uh, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, the main event, the showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. Uh and of course, there's going to be some uh, matches that from WrestleMania that will be highlighted. One match we we know we won't talk about will be the 60 man Ironman match. 
uh, because yeah, that's uh, that will take a, a long time. Uh, but we'll we'll, de- we'll definitely be talking about his mat- his uh, very famous ladder match at WrestleMania 10, uh, amongst others that we still have yet to finalize. But look, it's not even the three hour mark, and we are done. So. Uh, tune in next Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday uh, live here on the Podbean app, so check it out. Uh, and good news. I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again, though. Uh, the uh, ep- All the live episodes are soon to be coming uh, to be listened to on demand, so make sure you follow us uh, on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. Follow us on the Twitter. Uh, we are on Twitter at uh, FOW Radio. Danny is on Twitter at uh, Danny F in Danger. Eric's on Twitter at EJ423X. Mika's on Twitter somewhere in the world at Mika Villas. I'm on Twitter at YellowmanPA. And until next time, keep watching wrestling.